Let me put it this way, Mr. Raymer. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. We should advise you, however, that our preliminary findings indicate that your onboard 9000 computer is in error predicting the fault. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. How would you account for this discrepancy between you and the twin 9000? It can only be attributable to human error. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. Although you took very thorough precautions in the pod against my hearing you, I could see your lips move. I sensed a certain pride in his answer about his accuracy and perfection. Do you believe that Hal has genuine emotions? My mind is growing. I can feel it. I'm afraid, Dave. But as to whether or not he has real feelings is something I don't think anyone can truthfully answer. Inside Transition Studios, brought to you by your hosts, Roger and Leto. Welcome to Sci-Fi Rewind! I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm Roger. And I'm Lito. And together we are Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi Rewind. Rewind. Today we are joined by our guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Kevin Scheid. All right, All right. Kevin. Now, hey, what do you do? Oh, well, uh, thank you for asking, Lito. <laughs> so I actually am uh, the sales coordinator with Gravitas Ventures. We are a independent film distributor, um, the biggest independent film distributor in um, across the globe. Uh, just going to throw that in there, but... Yeah, we um, are located actually here in Cleveland, so we happen to be uh, a global distribution company for films, independent films, but located right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and uh, we actually started way back in about 2006. Uh, the, the company was founded in LA, and then our founders are both Cleveland guys, so they moved the company back to Cleveland uh, around 2015, 2016 or so in that area. And I've been with the company since 2020, June of 2020. Um, essentially, my job in a nutshell is to find the films that we acquire homes on streaming, whether it's uh, through advertising, video on demand outlets like Pluto or Tubi, IMDb TV, or your bigger subscription video on demand platforms like uh, Hulu or Netflix, the familiar ones. Uh, essentially, my job is to make sure that these homes have the proper, or sorry, these films have the proper homes because um, we have a very collected catalog. We pride ourselves on whether it's documentaries, horror, genre cast driven titles uh, which we'll talk about later too but so yeah that's a little bit of what i do on that show yeah that sounds like a really cool like place to land i know you from film school we went to cleveland state together and um you know i I knew you um you know your acting and then um your directing no the acting was awesome (laughs) by the way you made me crack up yeah yeah it was fun that's for sure if you don't mind me i can go back uh it was uh, well. You were like uh, like a coked up like guy <laughs> trying to get your, yeah, your fix. Yeah, well, hey, but you it, like the pizza place was all like uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know why I was cast for that, but uh, it was uh, yeah. There was that was one of very uh, very kind of hysterical characters I played. I felt like I was typecast in film funny. school as playing these really uh, offbeat, unstable human beings. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm glad that I was the uh, natural fit for that. But no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we were reminiscing earlier about right. um, some of the projects we worked on, the people that we know, and and neatly enough. Uh, you're one of several people here at Transition Studios who are right. CSU alums. So. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. like a pipeline. Yeah, exactly. And, and Gravitas, actually, I, I want to say, too, it does include a lot of CSU alum. Uh, I'm one of about, I want to say, half a dozen oh, graduates wow. yeah, from CSU, uh, a lot of which who did have film school backgrounds or at least studied film while at CSU. So, yeah, um, it's, it's nice to see us remaining local and still being able to uh, work in the industry. That's the dream come true for me, honest. I mean, I had never had any dreams of going to L.A. I wanted to stay right here and just do film, and uh, it's a dream come true for me, and I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, when you walk around Cleveland in January, it doesn't feel like a dream no, come true, but no, it, it, uh, but no, in all sincerity, yeah, it, this is a dream come true, and uh, no, I, I couldn't be in a more fortunate situation uh, professionally, and then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I owe a lot of that to CSU, certainly. Absolutely, same here. Um, but yeah, but you've also are a director and a writer. Um, I was, and I got the pleasure of working on your film, um, in the weeds. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. it was, uh, awesome experience. I learned a lot actually just from being on your set. Um, you Not know, for me, but yeah, no, no from you, it was <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, yeah. You had, you had real actors, you had real locations, you had, you had real, co like you, you dressed your, your wait staff and like your, like you put, you invested in your film. Sure. Yeah. And, no. and you made the look, you made it all look right. And you got, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I will say in retrospect, it was one of the more rewarding things. And look, it's, it's a 17 minute movie that I think, you know, if you go to YouTube right now, you might be able to see there's about 150 views, maybe 200. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm not giving myself enough credit. I don't know. We might be over 200 now, but um, so it didn't set the world on fire in the big grand scheme of things. But the real, I guess, I believe the, film, yeah. the accomplishment, if you don't mind me yeah, stepping yeah. in, is, is uh, you had a vision, you started it, right. you wrote it, you directed it, and you finished it, and you put it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. have something to show for all that effort. I, I think that the process itself was kind of the source of fulfillment. I mean, it was, and I think I knew that at the time, too, that, you know, how difficult it is to actually make a film, have a crew, have a cast. And that was the first time that, I think, any time in my life, I was in charge of 20 people. Um, so it was nerve-wracking. The first day I compared to, like, driving a tank. Mm -hmm. I, I just felt like this was the most cumbersome task I could have possibly assumed, and it was happening in real time. But I remember I had, like, this, like, just terror, night sweats, going home, or rather the night of the second filming day. Um, so before we did the second day of shooting, I was just a wreck because I was like, holy crap, I, I didn't realize this, the magnitude of what I got myself into in directing, um, everything that goes into it. You know, it just it, it overwhelmed me. But then I remember being on set for the second day, and by the end of that night, which didn't end till like four in the morning, but right, it was late. Feeling, yeah, like like I found a groove in a way, and and just to see everybody collaborate on something that just started from a you know a goofy idea I had in my head, and then worked on and worked on. So yeah, it was it was it was wonderful. And then I would say the um, the height of the experience was probably being able to watch at the Cinematheque mm -hmm. you know, with uh, the audience we had and. So I, uh, yeah. I, and you won the award for the best uh, picture of the, the school that year. Yeah. Which I, is I pretty the, awesome. Uh, yeah, I have the, the certificate somewhere. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was really neat. And, uh, and I, I really thought it was a classy move. You brought everybody on stage who, who, who worked on it and say, hey, I couldn't have done it with these guys. Like, well, I'm a classy guy. Leo. Dude, I, yeah, I was like. That's the way I operate. No, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And I, it, if, 
it would be really disingenuous, I feel like, for anybody. I, I think film is probably, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but at least in my experience, the most collaborative art form in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, it takes a team. Oh, it takes a village. Really, yeah. And even for a little short film. I mean, it was sure. 20 people and we all had to pull our own weight and had to work together. And You had it, a great crew. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, those, it, everyone on there is Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the idea that I would be, you know, responsible for it, that much more than anybody else um if at all it, it, it seemed kind of disingenuous so yeah it was uh it was a, a lot of fun and I, I i really urge anybody who's thinking about going to film school if they really think that they it's something they want to explore and they have a, uh, even just a a modest amount of interest in doing so to really give it a shot because there's so much you can learn from and the other thing about film school is that you may go in thinking that you want to be involved in one capacity or one role and then you'll learn that actually i think that this is me better or uh, whether it's you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera, there's just a myriad of positions you could have. And um, just the opportunity, again, to work with people who are talented, who are hardworking, and happen to be your friends on this type of project, it's it's a really rewarding experience. So, yeah, that was definitely the highlight of the film school. That, yeah, same here. It was great. It was a great time. Thank you for having me on there, by the way. Oh, and having me act a little bit, too, though. So. <laughs> you got me to actually like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Did you just shove? I think I had you shove a guy. Yeah, was, yeah. It was like, you just I walked full, past him. shouldered him, him. yeah. Right, and yeah. the guy was like, hit me harder, hit me harder. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, that, it was intense, though, yeah. It we, was uh, fun. Yeah. It was fun. Um, but what? Are, why are we here today? What, what do we? What are we? Uh, what are we going to be talking about, Kevin? Well, I was told we were going to be talking about 2001: A Space Odyssey. That's why I okay. decided to show up. So. Okay. Well, uh, you're you're wrong. We actually snuck trick you in here to see Battlefield Earth. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> okay. The, sci we, the, the Scientology uh, John Travolta. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We 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 did not get enough of it last week or, or the week before. Mm -hmm. So and we're going to pause right here. Yeah. And we're did gonna... you do a whole episode about Battlefield Earth? Yes, we, we did. did. Oh, oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's. No, I salute you guys. I and know. we need to like actually keep going on that. So yeah. if we could it, if we could pause Kevin for a while and just keep going Battlefield Earth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, 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 I need to watch Battlefield Earth first. I don't think I've even seen the movie. How, uh, is it like four hours? No, uh, it's it's actually two. mercifully short in, in, <laughs> okay. uh, in, in some ways. but <laughs> Not short enough, I guess. Yeah. Not short enough. I mean, it is still two hours, but like, you know, compared to 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's a bit better. Well, that's no where the comparison should probably stop. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, there's no intermission in Battlefield Earth, but that that, uh, that tells you. I was like, oh, I'm in a long movie. There's well, a they lot going on. They realized yeah. if they put in an intermission, people would just leave the theater. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> correct if I'm wrong, I don't have a great memory of yeah, yeah. Battlefield Earth. I'm, that's fine. I would think most don't. But, yeah, don't. Um, yeah, I this would. was about, like, I want to say, late 90s, early 2000s. It Travolta was, it was 2000. Like, yeah, he's a um, uh, weird costume. or. Uh, oh, yeah. Dreadlocks. Dreadlocks. That's right. Okay. He's, he's on stilts. Like all all the aliens are on stilts. It's all there. Okay. It's it's an amazing uh, train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's it's of... rooted in Scientology. Like, it's an L. Ron Hubbard novel. L. Ron Hubbard. It's, okay. it's an L. Ron Hubbard novel, yeah. but but uh, uh, it, uh, apparently they took a lot of Scientology stuff out of it. Oh. Okay. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're done with that. If you yeah. want to listen about that, go to episode two. It's a can't miss episode. Definitely check that out. But we're here to talk about. 2001 A Space Odyssey. All right. A real science fiction movie, in my opinion. The science fiction movie, in my opinion. The, okay. Yeah. I went there. Yeah. There you go. There it is. It's been said. Let's 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 delve into that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, I, I guess, you know, my first exposure was at high school. Okay. Uh, um, but before we get into that. Yes. Let's have you come into our office. Okay. And, and and introduce yourself, and then 
why don't you go ahead and tell us how you would sell this movie? Pitch us this movie. Like we're uh, the executives. Okay. Yeah. I'm uh, executive number one. That's executive number two. You're the filmmaker. Don't don't have to be Stanley Kubrick. Just whoever you are, you know. Sell us the film. We got the money. Okay. Yeah. No. You I, got the idea. Um, how can we help you? Yeah, I I can offer you some uh, some monkeys. To start off. I can monkeys. I can throw in a spaceship. I can throw in. Um, a baby, an alien baby. I can throw in uh, a psychedelic journey through space. Mm, that's, that's, that's good. Psychedelic stuff's kind of kind of in right now. Okay, but what's the story about? Sure. Uh, so that's that's an interesting question you propose, Roger. Let me let me just kind of say so. Uh, there's a black monolith, okay, and it's it's kind of shaped like a domino. Um, and we first see it in this film, and it, it's kind of in a prehistorical time. So. This is when human ancestors are discovering how to use tools. Um, and it turns out that they have an epiphany there that the t bone, one of the bones, we use as a weapon. Okay. Mm. So we cut, and we'll get to that later, that, that match cut, that almost a fine cinema in some ways, how we then see ourselves in space. We're on a spaceship. Uh, we are firmly in a different dimension, different time, different era. But the monolith appears. It appears four different times. And, and each time, it's a seismic shift in humanity. Uh, it's a source of evolution in some ways. So essentially, the story is where we've been, uh, where we are, and maybe where we're heading as, as a species. Mm. Um, it's a thinker. It's a think piece. Yeah. No, it's, it, it definitely is. And You're I, not going to spoon I, feed I us this information. We're going to have to... Check. We're gonna have to like figure some stuff out. Yeah, yeah, multiple viewings to say the least. Mm. I, I don't. I, I like multiple if, viewings. That's multiple trips to the theater. I like that. Yeah, or, or just you know, whether it's on uh, and your home screen or uh, dare I say like an iPad even. But no, I, I think that this is the ultimate movie where I'm not sure any human being who ever saw it the first time was able to connect the dots. Right. I'm not sure if you're able at any point in your life you're able to connect everything or if you're even supposed to. And maybe the beauty of it is that there's a different interpretation that all of us can have and. Um, each of them are valid in their own way, so that's the beauty of it in some ways. But so no, it's it's uh, it's it's a film that I, I think inspired more people to either be involved in film or space than maybe any other picture that I can think of. Um, okay. I wouldn't honestly compare it to you know like the first time you learn how to ride a bicycle or first time maybe you drove a car or got drunk or did some other fun things. I mean, it's like a, it's a a really life-altering moment, and I don't say that lightly. So, uh, is this movie an original idea, or is it based off of something? So, the interesting thing about about two thousand one is that it's known that there, it's there was a book by Arthur C. Clarke titled Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. But what's really rare is that it's not actually based on the book. The book and the film were made simultaneously, which, hmm. to my knowledge, I can't think of too many other examples like that. Um, so this really did emanate from Stanley Kubrick. It was his idea, and Arthur C. Clarke, they collaborated on it. Um, but Arthur C. Clarke also has his own book, which there are some differences between the film and the book. But only Stanley Kubrick could have so conceived. Who you, yeah. So who's writing the screenplay then? Uh, it was Arthur C. Clarke who wrote the screenplay. Okay. And then, of course, Stanley Kubrick directed. So you so got Stanley Kubrick attached to direct the film? Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, there's literally no other human being who could have even conceived of it, let alone pulled it off. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. I like him. 
He's good. <laughs> I hope so. Or yeah, I'm, he's Spartacus was fun. Uh, I'm gonna find the nearest exit. If, if you otherwise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Passive Glory was life changer for me. So interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think that movie spoke a lot about leadership and and and, and uh, you know having to do the um, I don't know, just like the pawns of using people as pawns and you know just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All too for, for their old, yeah, for their own goals is is kind of like, you know, and you know, I guess you got to you got to have order in, in military, but I mean, these are human beings, these are human lives that you're playing around with. So I don't know. I thought that was very, you know, no, well said. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's the I would say dehumanization yeah. of man is kind of one of the central themes of Kubrick and. You see that on display in Paths of Glory, and of course, the ending is uh, yeah, absolutely I, the heartbreaker. His I wife, by the way, that's her singing. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Oh, for real? Yeah, that oh, was uh, he later married her, Christiane Kubrick, his widow now, of course. But uh, yeah, that's her singing at the end. Well, speaking what? about music, do you have any music in in mind for this film? Well, I mean, there's the iconic sound of um, Strauss's booming. So when we first uh, see the film, and again, of course. The thing about 2001 is that there's not a lot of dialogue at all, right? Mm. In fact, there's no dialogue. I want to say... So we're making a silent film. Well, like, not like quite let's a silent. Pretend, let's pretend like Roger and I are actually the ones making the film or yeah. having bringing the money. Uh, so you're saying we're making a silent, silent film? Or? No, no, not a silent film. Just very little dialogue. You know, mm. it, it, this is not um, this is not an Aaron Sorkin film, right? Mm -hmm. right. There, there, there's not a lot of... Yeah, witty banter going on or it's not dialogue it's, it's quite the opposite okay um it's the ultimate visual experience but also audio i mean it's you know you hear strauss's also sprach zarathustra i believe is how you pronounce it but it's it's the the classical bombastic but almost triumphant mm. uh sound you hear is the theme of 2001 and then of course the blue danube which is like the waltz you hear when we're in space and we see spaceship orbiting and um, so yeah, it's, it, I, I would say iconic music from 2001. when you hear that theme and it's often used in, you know, in, in kind of a light, uh, parody a lot of times when oh. it's commercial, maybe in some films too. Spaceballs. Yeah. It was in Spaceballs. Uh, they okay. kind of make fun. A little okay. bit. Doom, uh, doom, doom, right, doom, doom, exactly. mega bade. <laughs> and, and everyone knows that. Yeah. yeah. That, that was notes, you know, and then it conjures up images of, of space or of, right. uh, a monkey smashing another one with, with, with the bone. You there know, it is. Also, also Spaceballs, the, uh, uh, almost tied to, uh, 2001 with the, sh with shots that just go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, uh, just, watching something you know observing something happening on screen in a very slow slow rate it seems like in this movie but okay well, while we're still on the topic of the pitch uh, uh how much money do you think you need yeah how much is it going to cost us see that's an interesting thing so back then you know it we can do would... inflation cal calculator <laughs> so the budget back then was actually 10 million 10 and a half million so we're talking 84 million okay in today's dollars. Yeah, and it almost doubled that in terms of box office, made about 146 million. So well, that's good. Your ROI is pretty high, but no, I mean it, it's funny because you return watch on investment. That, oh, sorry. Yes. 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 This is also uh, yeah. an economics podcast, business podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, We're here to let, teach as well as entertain. I think so. But uh, so with, uh, I think you look at the film now, and even back then too, it just it, it was so unique. 
visually, uh, the idea that this was made in the late 60s almost doesn't make sense because right. it's so ahead of its time in so many different ways, but it still holds up. And I think science fiction, probably more than any other genre, you guys can feel free to disagree, but there's an outdated quality to a lot of science fiction movies that mm -hmm. back then may have seemed uh, very groundbreaking or edgy, uh, high tech. And then you look at it now and just it doesn't really hold a candle to what we can see today in the screen. But that Would that have to do because of the director's attention to detail? I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I think what the vision was for some directors, and I think that you know, it depends on what you want to make and if what you wanted to make back then um, seemed to be something that was on the uh, you know, precipice of something cool and, and fun and interesting, um, but you didn't quite have the technological resources or visual aids to, to pull it off and you know, look back now and, and not quite see the, uh, the quality of it. But no, I, I just think that... Um, Somehow, some way, he was able to imagine the unimaginable, mm. and he was able to envision what it'd be like to travel through space, spaceships themselves. I mean, it just—it doesn't seem like a, a film that was made with no clue of um, the progress we would make in terms of space exploration or um, the crews we have, whether it's you know, the astronauts or back home. Or so it's. They for, yeah, there, there's a reason why people to this day still think Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing. Well, he did. That's because no, no. I, I think about that though for a second. He was actually in a race in some ways. Maybe at least in his mind, he was in a race because when this came, this comes out in 1968. Right. So mm -hmm. this is during the space race. This is um, when there was a real effort by the U.S. government, other governments across the world to. Land a man on the moon. Right, to, be the first. Yeah, the next frontier. So you're saying you're saying this is going. This movie will inspire people to, I don't know, join the space movement. You think? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's like a recruiting ad for Space Force or mm -hmm. anything like that. But I think what it does is, it at least opens up your mind, and yeah. it, it, it it really just you know like muscles you don't use too often, and when you do yoga or some other exercise, it tends to open those up. And this to me is kind of the same, and it's a corny analogy, but it's kind of the same watching 2001 with your your brain. I mean it. I, when you watch it, A, it's just so mesmerizing. I right. mean, I, I'm not sure anyone, even in today's world where we're glued to our phones and our attention spans have never been smaller, I can't imagine someone sitting, and especially if they're in front of a big screen watching 2001 A Space Odyssey, like, yeah, you know, I wonder what's on TikTok, you know, or I'm going to text my buddy. I, I just feel like once you're actually invested in the film and you've immersed yourself into it, nothing else matters. I mean, it's, it's one of those movies that has that rare ability to capture you like nothing else. Right on. Uh, so talk about the actors. Like, who do you got uh, acting in this? I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm already like. Uh, we have a robot. We have oh. Hal. Yeah. Hal. Hal. So of course Hal. Um, what does Hal stand for? Well, funny you should ask. So Hal was uh, in, in, for those, and we're all assuming that everyone Every, watches. Yes. Yeah. Spoiler heavy. Okay. Um, Hal, of course, is is the robot that's on the spaceship with them and kind of in a Frankenstein-esque turn mm. um, ends up because ironically this robot possesses a lot of human qualities in terms of uh, insecurity fear um, so it's, it's like a first introduction to artificial intelligence but the the brilliant stroke of it is that it's not just a robot who you know takes orders or you program it it has a mind of its own um, that's scary and what, what is scary about it and probably the most frightening scene in, in cinema history is when Hal opens the doors and kills the, the astronaut. You see the astronaut in space just floating hopelessly in space. Look, trying to connect. Yes, trying to connect and then just 
gone, and it's just the most unsettling image. Wow. Um, but the thing with Hal, which is, I, I, and I was kind of introduced to this my first dig into the film. So let's do this in real time with little letters here. Let's have a little fun. So what letter comes after H? H. I. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's not, not an IQ test, but okay. <laughs> I. Okay. What's, what letter comes after A? B. B. And what letter comes after L? M. M. So what would we just spell out? What did I didn't. No? No. I-B-M. Oh, IBM, the company that sponsors some of the movie, right? So they didn't sponsor it. Okay. Here's the thing. So Cooper, he consulted with them. Um, and supposedly he consulted with them on plans for Hal. He wanted to actually use the company's logo. Okay. But that fell through um, once he described Hal as a quote unquote, a psychotic computer in his pitch to IBM to be able to use it. Oh. So naturally they didn't want anything to do with that. That was the case. So he then had a little fun. So he then unscrambled IBM, made HAL. So sure enough, HAL 3000 exists. Um, so yeah, I, I, HAL, the artificial intelligence entity is, is kind of the most memorable character, I'd say, from 2001. Because sure. again, it's not, this isn't uh, a really character-driven film per se. Now, the hero of the film, the protagonist, is Dave Bowman. Okay, Dave. And, and similar, so the name also has meaning too, because keep in mind, 2001 A Space Odyssey, okay? And it's very reminiscent of Homer's Odyssey. Right? I was about to say, was there a connection? Okay, great. There is. And Odysseus, the hero of Homer's Odyssey, great. he's evolved in archery. Okay. So he's a bow and arrow man. Ah, so Bowman, Dave Bowman. Nice. Probably not a coincidence there that the last name is Bowman. That's a good connection. I like um, that. I like that connection to literature. That's yeah. good. So yeah, Dave Bowman is, is, is kind of our hero of the film. And again, it's, it's not a movie where um, you have the most recognizable cast, but it's, it's Keir Dulia. Keir Dulia. Um, that's probably his most memorable role, though. He's the one who plays Dave. And, um, yeah, the, the line opened the pop doors, Hal, okay. is from him, of course. And, um, so, yeah, uh, I would say that those are those two, Hal and Dave, are probably your two biggest characters from the film. All right, so we got a couple of actors, a computer in charge, yeah. computer uh, artificial intelligence in charge. I heard some things about monkeys, things yeah. like that. We do have them, yeah. Space baby. This sounds like sounds like a trip. It's, it's the sound, ultimate trip. Yeah. How does it? Um, how does this all end? Like, how does it wrap up? Like, what do we got? <laughs> Uh, and that's the, and, that's a million dollar question. Yeah, how how does it end? What, what does it all mean? Yeah. So, the last shot. I guess you kind of have to go beat by beat here. Okay. So let's 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 take it back a little bit. Okay. So, what happens after Hal um, gets rid of one of the astronauts who he's afraid he's gonna unplug him is that Dave is the one who ends up unplugging Hal. So Dave essentially murders Hal if you want to call it that. He, okay. un he unplugs him. Similar to how the astronaut's death is very jarring and, and uh, troubling to watch, Hal's death is actually really tragic for an mm. artificial intelligence. Because, again, that's a testament, too, of an absolutely brilliant director that you you feel almost heartbroken over artificial intelligence being unplugged. But it, it represents so much more. And the way he dies is that, if you guys remember, he starts singing a lullaby about daisies or daisy, my daisy. Mm. What's kind of fascinating about that is that, and not to get too heavy here, but a lot of times with those who die in a more natural form, especially if old age or they're elderly and they pass on, 
oftentimes they'll revert back to childhood towards the end. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have you know have okay. a grandparent or some but there's, there's life some, yeah, full circle. There's exactly there, there's some um, kind of cyclical element to it, and there's that regression almost leads to that type of response. So I don't think it's a coincidence either that you see how he's singing a lullaby, you know, like that he was programmed to learn. So again, that that makes it that much more impactful, I would mm. think. Um, so after or that, relatable, you know. <laughs> I get well. Yeah, we're all too relatable, unfortunately, <laughs> with AI these days. But uh, or, or machines, technology. But so once that's done, Hal is then alerted that there's been some type of life force detected on Jupiter. Okay, and that's where the final monolith is, right? So he is then. Are those wayfinders of some sort? These monoliths. Well, that's that, what? again. It's it's funny. I, I I've never been asked. You know, what is the meaning of the monolith in 2001? It's, but it's, it's it's such a fascinating question because. I don't know if there even Stanley Kubrick. I'm not sure he could tell you that there's a concrete meaning or representation for these monoliths. I think, again, it maybe means more where they are at mm. than anything else because every time we see them appear, there's a new form of evolution that um, succeeds it. So after that, uh, after he's been notified that there's life forms, so then we see him travel to Jupiter. So it's you then see a graphic appear on the film that says Jupiter Beyond the Infinite. And we go on what's called the Stargate sequence, which is considered like the most visually stunning 20 minutes or so um, of film, at least in that time. And I, I, I would still argue it's, it's right up there with any other film, even in 2020, sorry, 2022. You see just this complete... Uh, kaleidoscope of, of light, of flashing images, and yeah. at a high speed. Okay, uh, it, it's very intense. How long does that go on for? You think? Um, I would say the entire trip um, is probably about fifteen twenty minutes. Is that wow. that scene? But the the height of it is about uh, four minutes or so when we're at a full speed. Mm. Um, okay, we're landing in Jupiter, so very much an artsy film. In a way. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's a film like nothing else. I mean, again, it's it, it's the most ambitious, I think, in, in terms right. of scale, in terms mm. of what he's, you're trying to tackle. But the other thing is that it's not a very um, conventional film in terms of, you know, act one, act two, act three. And, and you, you know, you can follow all the beats and then, mm. you you know, it's, it's just, there's so much more to it. And, and that's all deliberate, too. I think that, you know, and Cooper talked about it, he was trying to make, you know, a very visual experience where it, it conjures up something subliminal um yeah and sometimes you know you almost surprise yourself of what you're able to kind of penetrate from that but um okay cool there is a real i think a lot of people too they, they just view it sometimes purely philosophical but there's a really emotional element too okay um and i talked about you know Hal's death a little bit but you know it's in some ways too at the end it, um so we'll talk about that i guess right now so then we cut to Dave has now arrived in Jupiter. We then see him arrive still as the astronaut, but then he sees what appears to be an old, decaying version of himself in bed. Um, he's hairless. He looks mm. quite, quite old, uh, frail as well. And appears to be him dying. So he sees himself dying, and he lifts a finger, which conjures up image of the birth of David. Okay. Um, a little bit. And we then see him in bed finger lifted 
And then we cut to an image of a baby, some type of alien baby, which mm-hmm. is known as Star Child, Star Child. wrapped in uh, a bubble of some sort. It's like a bubble. So, again, we're, we're talking about birth. Like death, an embryo birth. or something? Perhaps, sure. perhaps, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you can go there. Um, and then the final shot of the film is this, is this baby mm. hovering over planet Earth. Okay. So it's this, and we hear the music, we hear the, the theme for 2001, and it sounds more triumphant than ever this time, especially because it's, it is a rebirth, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure if you guys have read Nietzsche before, um, Nietzsche's bit. Ubermensch theory of Superman and how there's going to be an even more evolved version of, of human beings at some point. And some people or I think that some people have interpreted, or he may have even explicitly written that his idea was that this... Uh, supermensch or ubermensch superman type incarnation of human being would actually be a baby of some sort so that's kind of where the i think the genesis of star child derives from keep in mind too that book uh where the ubermensch theory derives from is called thus spoke zarathustra and this is like 1883 i believe oh wow the name of the piece that we hear the theme for 2001 is strauss's also sprach zarathustra so again yeah I, there's a lot of dots at least on the surface to connect there. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's hard not to get choked up or even get chills seeing that, uh, you know, there, there is going to be something beyond us in some ways, you know, and then, you know, you can talk about reincarnation, you can talk about rebirth. Also the whole trip itself, the Stargate sequence is kind of like being in a birth canal. I mean, I think some people have interpreted that oh, way gotcha. too. So we're really, I mean, it, it, at its core, the movie is a story about evolution, about, you know, growth, about, Decay, rebirth. Mm. So, do you think any um, religious people are going to be upset about that? You know, I mean, because I mean, I, most people. I, I don't think it's exclusionary religion. I mean, I, you know, we're going to have any kind of uh, pushback from you know Adam and Eve evolutionists oh, on, on, the, yeah. on the subject. Think I don't, picking I don't, people picketing. Like, I, well, if they, if they haven't we didn't yet. Come from I, monkeys. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's starting now. I mean, okay. I. You know, to me, it's it's a, it's it's not a Stanley Cooper, especially, is not someone who wore his views on his sleeve. Okay. Of course, I think today, especially, people are very on brand. You know, with, with whether it's filmmakers sometimes or your your favorite artist or whoever, they tend to wear their uh, ideologies on their sleeves, mm. and there's not a lot of subtlety. It feels like you're being hit over the head with some type of viewpoint. This movie is not that at all. In fact, it's the polar opposite. You make of it what you will. It's 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 a an experience where it, you know, it's it's the ultimate show don't tell. Okay? Gotcha. Yeah. You were talking about film school earlier. That was right. one of the rules we learned: is right. show don't tell. Show don't tell. Um, it's a big one. Yeah, and, and this is the ultimate of that. I mean, you know, there's like I said, minimal dialogue. Right. Um, it's so ambiguous. So I, I don't know how anybody could get necessarily upset with that. And if, small if you, cast, so that's good. Yes. You know. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Not not, not, not one location, piece. but you know, the cast <laughs> no, is small. No. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> they weren't on site either, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, you got any more questions, Roger? Or are you ready to greenlight this thing? Uh, uh, greenlight. I thought we already greenlight this thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. This sounds neat. Yeah. This sounds great to me. Well, it's easy to pitch 2001. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I pitch Battlefield Earth, but I can. I, mean, yeah, I gave it my best shot. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go do some golf. Huh? All right now? Yeah. A little cold, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go golfing. Okay. Top let's golf go first, then. And pat each other on the back. All right. End scene. Good job. <laughs> oh, is that it? That was the pitch. Yeah, we're oh, done. Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to move into our initial thoughts. Okay, great. Which great. we've got tons of yours. Okay. But if you want, if you anything else you want to add, 
We'll start with you, Kevin. Um, um I, oh, the match cut. Talk about the match cut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the match cut in 2001 is maybe the most iconic image from the film, one of the most iconic images in cinema. Um, so again, so we're the beginning of the film, the first opening sequence, um, it's like the dawn of man. Right. And we see uh, what appears to be primates, and they figure out that the bone can be used not as just a, as a basic tool, um, but as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how they can conquer civilization, through force. So we see, and we hear the music, the, the 2001 theme reappear. You see one of the apes beating another one, killing another one with this bone. And that guy went down quick. He went down mm. quick. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a knockout for sure. And the mouth's agape. It's the most like primitive-looking creature you think of because, again, it's just brute. It's, it's, it's through force. It's through violence. And then the bone goes in the air. So he tosses the bone in the air merely then cut to the spaceship. Mm. And that's not by accident, right? right so no. the spaceship is then the natural progression because as we've conquered Earth, you know, it's conquered civilization on Earth through, and again, you can kind of read this as you will, maybe it's, it's through empire, war, violence, just, uh, you know, pure hegemony, maybe you want to call that, whatever. So that's how, that's how the rules have been established here. And then the next frontier is space. But what's interesting is that you have such a dichotomy because you go through, again, the the, the pounding of the, the drums and mm-hmm. then that that ape whose mouth's agape, he's screaming, it's very primal. And then we cut to this beautiful image of space, of the moon, uh, a spaceship in orbit. Okay. And then we hear what's called the Blue Nube, it's a waltz, which is you know the highly sophistication in music, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's this very delicate piece. Okay. So... What's interesting too is that this this tool for conquering, it can look very very raw, very very primitive, but it can also look very beautiful, very elegant too. But serves the same purpose. Um, so that you know that that might be the stroke of genius right there is that match cut because not only did it change I think the way films can be made, but just you know how people can view the evolution of man and and uh, our conquering of of space and. And beyond that, that's great. Um, so that that uh, how many how many thousands of years, mil- maybe millions of years in that that transition, right? That that happens um, in that cut in that transition from thousands, the bone yeah. to the uh, to the space station. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot to, to to skip over. But yeah, like let's you know this is where it started, but this is where we want to kind of hang out. And uh, I'm just gonna say this you can continue but i uh, just really really good makeup effects with the uh, with the eight men yeah oh god they yeah. were so good it, like just the way they acted and everything right. it's just like oh god this feels so real exactly no and it's you, you feel like you're not watching some some cheesy saturday morning mm-hmm. you know uh, guy in a monkey suit right, right. It, it's it's a complete opposite of that um it's it's harrowing it's kind of almost frightening to watch especially when mm. they figure out what the tool can be used for mm. yeah uh, again i i just i'm in awe of how this movie can get through the years we're in 2022 and it still holds up and, and nothing seems implausible or that you're watching something that uh was made in someone's backyard so it's definitely would be made today oh god i hope yeah. so yeah. yeah you know what that's interesting quite i i think there's an audience i mean look look at the success of interstellar mm-hmm. a film that mm-hmm. from christopher nolan that certainly is 
heavily inspired by 2001. Uh, yeah, 2001, and again, we, I mentioned the box office returns too. Th- this is a movie that has to be seen in theaters too. I, I'm so oh, yeah. envious of anyone who's able to see it for the first time on the big screen. I mean, right. that that is... That has to be just. Have you ever been to a, like a, a, a okay, no, like someone yet. showing it on it's, screen? It's on the bucket list. Okay. If anyone cool. were to make this film today, it would come straight out of A24. Mm. It, it, uh, I don't know if it would really get made by Hollywood. You'd probably have to go more in indie. Kinda, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, but it's just like A24 makes a lot of movies that just kind of almost feel like they come out of like. Uh, uh, Oh, I lost my train of thought there. But it, uh, when when a uh, they uh, they all have this similar kind of vibe to 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's just like uh, almost hard to make sense of. You, it's probably going to take a couple viewings to uh, to really get it. Uh, like I say, a couple thousand to really get. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, yeah. it, it's one. Of, and I think a lot of us too, how we grade or evaluate a film that really just stands the test of time is. Can you watch it every single time and still learn something new or oh, yeah. have a different? <laughs> I love those type of movies. Yeah, yeah. I, and and truly, this film is right there with any other. I mean, I, I would put The Godfather right up there too. Yeah, and among other just ingenious works of art. In Star Wars movies. for me. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, every time I watch it, something new. Um, Raj, do you have any initial thoughts on 2001? Uh, so the first time I watched this film, I was in high school and I fell asleep. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> uh. Uh. I, I, but this was like a, uh, we're watching it one class, and then we'll watch it the next day, and then we'll watch it the next day. So you were on a lot of drugs then too, right? I refuse to answer. <laughs> uh, uh, Actually, that would have made it. Yeah, for, yeah. No. But uh, but uh, yeah, we're watching, we're watching it, and I just kind of fall asleep. And but uh, every other viewing, I was watching it, and you know, you're just going like, what the heck is this? Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, I also got accustomed to it via like. You know, Saturday morning cartoon parodies of the of 2001: Space Odyssey. Okay. Just like you know, they'll probably play the music or you were forced to through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, through osmosis and things sure, like that. Sure, sure. You know, uh, like uh, even like through games like Portal. You know, Glados. She's very much kind of in in similar per, uh, personality to How Nine Thousand. Okay. Uh, things like that. Uh, uh, but you know, after viewing it, it's uh. This is essentially my second time viewing the film. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I got more out of it this time. You know, just like I think my favorite sections of the film are, you know, the journey to Jupiter. Sure. Uh, uh, the Dawn of Man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, after that, it would probably be like the in between Dawn of Man, you know, on the space station yeah. or. And I think my least favorite bit is the ending because I think uh, I think some of the stuff kind of goes on for a little too long, just okay. a little bit. That's maybe one of my main critiques. But yeah, there's still so much to like appreciate Stanley Kubrick's vision and everything like that. It's just he he had a vision and he put it on screen, and I just I can't fault the guy for just making the film he wanted to make. No, and you know, I, I want to follow up on something you said too. It's it's funny your initial reaction. You said it was, "What the heck is this all about?" Uh-huh. Which I actually think, in a lot of ways, I wish every film was like that in some way. Oh, yeah. I, because to me, the worst art is the most predictable art. Mm-hmm. If you know what you're getting yourself into, especially I would say comedy too. Mm. If you know what the punchline is going to be and the joke that's coming, it, that's not amusing. That's not fun at all. 
if if you're going into a movie, you're going, I, I, I don't know what this is. I try not to watch trailers for this reason. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's, it, it totally takes you off guard, but it's something new, and, and it's, it's an introduction to something else and something deeper. I, I think that that – and by the way, you're not alone. I mean, Woody Allen talks about how the first time he saw it, 2001, did not like it at all, didn't get it. I, I'm not sure what other actors used, but they weren't that positive. And then the second time, he warmed up, and mm-hmm. then by – I want to say the third or fourth time, he realized, okay, this is like – this is a master at work here mm. making something that's going to stand the test of time. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're definitely not alone in that category. In fact, I, I'd be – I don't know if I know – maybe Lito Mimi, you are in this category. I don't know if I know too many people who the first time they saw 2001, they said, oh, I know what this is. Okay, okay. Yeah. Or even like we're that enthralled. I think it's – I'll be honest. I tried getting my wife to watch. She called it the worst movie ever. Which, wow. Yeah, you know, I, we, we're not divorced, of course. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but, but no, uh, it's it's – so I think – you have to literally prepare yourself and and go and almost tell yourself, look, I, the first time you're going to see this, it's it's not going to make a lot of sense. You're you might be frustrated at times, or maybe mm-hmm. as you were saying to you, some of the scenes may feel like that they're a little long, but it, it's it's the ultimate, I think, rewarding experience when you can really start to see what the pieces when they all fit really look like. Just 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 the. Uh, Maybe this time around, I, w- I was enjoying the shots of the spaceship going by better because I just kept thinking of space balls. Hey, whatever helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's funny is like um, they're make they're it's an homage to the to how great the film is. It was when oh, yeah. people parried it and satired it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they they also enjoy oh, yeah. the film and love it and want. I mean, look, look at all the Battlefield Earth parodies out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you look at Family Guy, you just see all the references to, like, all these other films. You know, it's just like, when I was a kid, I'd never noticed, like, oh, they're parodying Airplane. Oh, they're parodying this. They're doing all this. Yeah. Uh, but as I grow older, it's like, oh, okay, that's what they're doing. Yeah. I think The Simpsons have referenced Kubrick more than maybe any other director on the show. Oh, I wow. mean, there's, oh, there's, if you go on YouTube, you'll see the compilations of all the Kubrick references. 2001, Shining, Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork. I mean, it's all in there. And like you said, oh, yeah. that that's also indicative of truly great art. Cool. Um, are you all set with your initial thoughts there, Raj? Yeah, basically. All right, cool. Well, um, so my thoughts are uh, I, I turned it on last night, you know, and I don't think I've ever – been able to make it through this movie without falling asleep. Okay, <laughs> I'm with right. Raj. All right. I don't think I've watched this movie from start to finish yet yeah. at all. Like I've seen it, uh, it's, it's only two times, but I think maybe I've might've caught a part here or there somewhere. So unfortunately I think it's the music just puts me to like, it's, it can be hypnotic. I think there could be I, something to that. Yeah. There's something I, when I go see the orchestra here in town, yeah. Um, I always like, it just puts me in this state where I'm like super relaxed, and if I'm and if I'm in that state, I, I tend to fall asleep. But it's not because the movie's bad; it's just because that's what happens when I listen to the music and everything is kind of quiet and and nothing really is happening on the screen. I haven't I haven't like completely start to finish immersed myself in the movie, unfortunately. But like it doesn't mean I don't like it. It just means it just. It just does something it, it, to me. It triggers me it to like you, shut, else. shut shut down a little bit, yeah. right? Which is kind of cool. Okay, but um, can I can I mention one more thing? Absolutely, I, it just came to mind. Uh, I love all the things that Stanley Kubrick kind of predicted. 
I love how he predicted in movie flights. Yep. I, oh, yeah, Zoom cool. or I, I, uh, Skype? Oh yeah, yeah Skype. Uh, and he, he also predicted Skype. iPads. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just all these things where it's like you were talking about. It's like you know, it's the best ones are the ones that predict what what will probably happen in the future. And to this day, I still think this movie has the best way of explaining how people are able to move around in spaceships. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, 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 it, uh, but when upon revisiting it, I was like, there's still things that probably don't make sense to me. Like the way, because, you know, when they're flying in these like space shells and everything, it's like, oh, they have, they have like these grav shoes or something, or grav boots. Yeah, they make a, they, it's right on the screen. Yeah, so like, you yeah. see it. So like, but then you see pe- people like on the space, space station just kind of like walking around in just normal shoes and you're like, eh, they should all really be wearing <laughs> shoes like that. Uh, but it's just like the, it's the first one to make me think yeah that's how they'd probably be walking around mm-hmm. so Kubrick did hire a company um, that had been making films for NASA mm-hmm. as a designing consultant so there is that but as we spoke about earlier in jest or you know a little tongue in cheek about the moon landing host conspiracy but again if, if you're able to convince a sizable amount of people or you know more than one person that you're capable of filming the, uh, a stage moon landing because of how remarkable 2001 Space Odyssey was visually at, at portraying space and uh, and all the special effects involved. And I, I, I think that that says something that, is, that no other review can uh, uh, represent. Excellent. And then um, I also saw a lot of Star Wars. I, some of the way the sure. ship looks, yeah. I mean, it's like almost the same lighting as the Death Star. Um, I think George Lucas was inspired. Oh, yeah, I, yeah big time. The hangar scene is just like when the Millennium Falcon goes. It's almost like the same the rectangle that it goes through. Um, I, I saw so much Star Wars in there that that I was like, this is awesome. Like this is where, you know, Star Wars got yeah. his its start. Yeah, which is I, great. I, I mean, I, you, you mentioned the Star Wars is one of your absolutely favorites. Yeah, I, do you think Star Wars exists without two thousand one? Not. Some of the visual look, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I think um, he definitely, you know, got his. I want, I want this to look like this movie. Sure, you know what I mean. Inspiration's really yeah. strong. Yeah, right. We'll probably use some of the techniques they used in the in the first uh, in two thousand one to make our film. Right. Were they both shot in England? I don't uh, know. Uh, or, or so Kubrick made all of his films in uh, the UK once he in moved UK? there. Okay. I, I but some of this was filmed in the United States as well. Oh, oh, really? Um, I imagine they probably shot the desert scenes in, yeah, uh, somewhere in the uh, Los Angeles area. Oh, makes sense. Uh, yeah, very likely. I'm not, that's actually a good question. Because don't they have? Uh, don't they have like? Doesn't Hollywood have the backlots where like they shot like the Notorious Gorn episode for Star Trek, or a lot of the desert episodes for Star Trek? I they thought they doing... shot that at Red Rock, Did, or something like that. There, there was like a desert place somewhere that. Hollywood has access to there. It's like, okay, we're just going to go shoot. I, I don't know the name of the location per se. So apparently the landscape shots, and we're, we're, we're finding this out in real time. Yeah. We're breaking news. But um, <laughs> the landscape shots were filmed in Southwest Africa. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I, you're talking about the uh, the scenes during the Stargate sequence once he mm-hmm. lands. Okay, yeah, that apparently was actually – Oh, I was thinking more so the beginning. Oh, the beginning. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Uh, was... Yes, yeah. The Dawn Man sequence, that was shot in Africa. Okay. So, 
Um, the first time I actually, because I mean, I took film study in in uh, high school. I think they might have talked about this film, and you always saw this film in the um, AFI's top 100 list, or maybe top 10 even. So I, I, I always knew about the film, but I just never really sat down and watched it. So when DVDs came in, and you know, when we're take, making the transition from VHS tape to DVDs. Um, I was like, I bought a bunch of DVDs because, you know, I thought this is the latest, greatest. Nothing's going to be better than DVDs. So I bought the Stanley Kubrick collection, and it had 2001 A Space Odyssey in it. And Oh, I had the same collection, yeah. The it's, white with this. Yeah. Yeah, it's all like white. The like, collection is, is uh, oh, that's about you. Mm -hmm. uh, 2001, there's a Kubrick, it's, it's four films. It's 2001, Eyes Wide Shut, Barry Lyndon, and The Shining. No, it was more. It was like four and one. It was like uh, to me, it was like the greatest purchase of my life yeah. in terms of value and what I paid for it. It was uh, Barry Lyndon, uh, two thousand one, Doctor Strange, Love, oh. Lolita. There you go. And Lolita and into um, there's one more. Um, the Pass of Glory, maybe? No, it wasn't the Killing. Spartacus. Spartacus. No. Uh, Brush Hour Two. <laughs> What's that movie that he disowned? You know, he made one movie where it's like it's a World War Two one or World War Two movie. He didn't make that many movies. It seemed like I don't, I don't think he did for disowned one. Oh, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, oh, there, oh, yeah, okay. that's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. Not, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I bought that, and then um, and then I'm like, okay, you know, I went I went through them all, and then I was like, time to put on 2001, but I put it on like super late. So uh, after the bone went up, you saw the spaceship. I think I've always had to watch it at night, though. It feels like you'd be watch, odd watching at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It feels like a... I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree okay. with you, Kevin. I think we should watch... I should watch it. Me, personally, should watch it during the day. That way you don't fall asleep. Exactly. Okay, okay. Because that's what, exactly what happened on the spaceship. I was out. Next thing I know, the movie was done. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Like, I was... So that was the first time I watched it. And the second time was last night. And I, I passed out during different parts uh, last night as well. I wanted to stay up. But I think I'm going to have to watch this, sorry, on the Saturday afternoon. Okay. No, and no, and I, make sure I get through it. Well, that's, that's the most important thing, to but, actually stay away. Yeah. But I did, you know, I, I, do, I, you know I, I did do my full notes. I still, I still got plenty, plenty to up. Oh, I did. see your homework. You know, you, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I didn't, you know, it's just I don't know what I missed, but I'll, I, I, can, I can piece stuff together. You know, <laughs> you know, you know there's, there's one thing that I really do appreciate this film that, you know, uh, in any other film, you probably get annoyed with, or just you know, to go like, why you should you should have done this. Uh, the lack of sound, mm. uh, especially when it's like out in space, because you know you're out. Uh, there's no there's no way space can uh, sound can exist in space. You know, unless you're like in something. But when uh when you're out there and you know you just like something bangs uh, close by, you're not gonna hear it. And so, like the scene when when uh, Bowman's going into is going in into uh, going through the airlock, just don't hear anything. Right. Uh, it's not until like he's able to close the airlock and everything where it's like shh, and he's like, okay, we're back. He's back. Okay. And he has to he has to wear the spacesuit because God knows what Hal's done. You know, maybe there's no air in the build in the ship still, or maybe he just maybe Bowman just doesn't care and he has to get rid of Hal ASAP. It's just all these like little things. Yeah, it makes it more suspenseful mm -hmm. in that way. Or or the the scene when uh, the other guy, what is what, what's the other guy's name? Kyle, is Frank, uh, Frank may maybe Frank Pool. Yeah, Frank Pool. Okay, yeah. When he uh, when he's out 
all you could hear is that 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 breathing of air kind of and i imagine that's just kind of the only thing he's really able to hear probably uh how how the machinery works or how his spaceship works or something uh i'll I'll, I'll just i'll just all these like audio details that i just really enjoy uh and i felt like they did a really good job with that Cool. Yeah, it's hard to be critical of much, but yeah, the the, the sound and, and how unsettling it is mm-hmm. at times because it's just nothing. And I think that's to your point exactly. I mean, I, it, if you're going to pick space, you wouldn't want it noisy and boisterous and mm-hmm. a big party. It's quite the opposite. Star Trek later movies. Okay, it was just like <laughs> explosions, and you could just hear them, and it's like that's not a sp- well, that's an action movie. You kind of hear the booms just bumping out there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. How are our uh, interpretations of the film? What is uh, what's Stanley trying to say with the, with this uh, masterpiece? Evolution. Mm. Yeah, Kevin? I think that yeah, it's it's a story about evolution. It's a story about birth, mm-hmm. about rebirth. Um, you know, I the relationship between technology and man, I think, mm. is a really fascinating one that's explored. But it also, it's never been more relevant than now. I mean, I really, I really wonder. Think about you know the technology that we've seen since 1968 when the film came out uh, what the world looks like now compared to then it's almost at a frightening pace the way technology is rapidly evolving and there is that again i think i mentioned this earlier but the frankenstein quality to it too to do we make create something like whether it's artificial intelligence or some other form of technology that almost overtakes us at some point. Wow, the THX had a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. and it's, you know, the Terminator, yeah. or, you know, things of that nature. So it's, so that exists. And I, I think that, you know, unfortunately today, whether it's through things like automation, where it replaces workers, mm-hmm. um, so it's not quite the same as... Or the Roomba. Yeah. My uh, daughter doesn't do the vacuuming anymore. Well, we have right, a little robot right. now. <laughs> you know, it's, it makes us more expendable in some ways. Um, so it, Or freezes up to be... You know, less time on on menial tasks yeah. and more times to dream. Or is it also a more? Is there more of a, a subtle, almost insidious way where we're morphing into these gadgets? Mm. The amount of time we spend, I would argue, maybe you guys would disagree, but there are plenty of people who are spending more time virtually uh, engrossed in whether it's you know, being online, communicating with others, or just working online, especially post COVID. You know the laptops than they are in the real world, the physical world. So, you know that again, that relationship between man, technology, the dangers of it, that's never been more relevant, I think, than now. And unfortunately, I'm not sure that, and especially with artificial intelligence. I mean, mm-hmm. there are those who will talk to you about how there's going to be a fourth industrial revolution and it's going to be led by AI and and what that will all look like in ten years, twenty years. So he Kubrick was on to something. You know? I mean, a, uh, like you even have AI that can write scripts. They're not great, but uh, it's it's like they have the ability to try and make something somewhat cohesive. So right, we're on a some weird track. But uh, yeah, uh, something I kind of took notice of is uh, you know our f- the first tool ever created by man. You know that stick that they, uh, the 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 original man you know, like used to you know as a weapon right uh and like late the latest and greatest the latest technology we kind of bit was is kind of like hal 9000 yep it's just like the original tool was uh created you know for reasons of like you know may- maybe we could use this for 
you know, they could probably use it as like ways to defend you or things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, but it's still on its own. It's just if no one's using it, no one can harm it. But technology has advanced such in a way where it's like the tool doesn't even need your like usage anymore. It's like if it wants to kill you, it'll just kill itself, you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just, so the bone was yeah. before used yeah. as a weapon to kill. Yeah. Whereas Hal is also a murderous weapon. And, but, and and not only is it a murderous weapon, it's also somewhat of a living, uh, its own version of a living creature. Yeah. Yeah. It's Again, just like, Hal, you know, we see Hal panic. I mean, it's funny because we, we don't actually see a, a, a dot or a red eye. Uh, we don't see that, but but his but we know that 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 this artificial intelligence has these emotions of fear and we, anger. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't really know that. Like they say, it's supposed to kind of mimic, but it's it's like there's still that thing where it's just like a computer bro program could just be trying to do its best to try and convince you not to turn it off. But there is still that bit of unknown where it's like when Hal in the most monotone version ever is just pleading, going like. I can feel it. Right. I can, and it's just like, you see it even on Bowman's eyes. It's like, he doesn't really want to do this. Yeah, he's sure. just like, yeah. he's kind of, it's like what you were saying about emotion and things like that. It's just like, you kind of feel like him. It's just like, he's killing a living creature almost. And the thing is, he's doing yeah. it stone cold. So mm -hmm. in that moment, Hal's more human. Oh yeah. Because he's pleading and he's, you know, he's suffering. And then Dave, like you said, is, is just kind of, well, I kind of saw some like, uh, some like sadness in his eyes. Uh, some, but I think it's and it's the mm -hmm. more robotic element of him has mm -hmm. to say, "Hey, this is this is what you have. To, this has to be done. Do not take the sentimental, emotional considerations into account here." Yeah, because if he does that, Hal will probably try and kill him again. Right, right. Uh, like I, I can't can't fault Bowman for doing it, but it's just like one of those things. Where it's like, this is this is hard to watch. Not 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 yeah. in a, not in a, oh I there's no like. No, uh, it, there's nothing happening here. It's like, oh, it's so boring. It's more like, oh, this is just hurting my emotions almost in a way. I was just kind of afraid. Well, and I think as an audience too, we're kind of conflicted, mm. you know, in mm -hmm. some ways as well. You know, the movie, like to me, I didn't pick up and like I wasn't like locked in until Hal was reading the lips, right? Mm -hmm. And and uh, and you know, processing the information that they're talking about turning him off. Sure. And like that's when, like, when I was like, whoa, like. Now I'm in. I'm locked in. I'm. I'm. I want to know what how the story goes now. Yeah. It, yeah. But the rest of it was just kind of like I don't know, like kind of just like sleepwalking and kind of just you know meandering in and out mm -hmm. of the story and just like, well, you know, do I have to like pay attention here? I don't know. Like, but uh, yeah. but but after Hal gets you know threatened, um, I don't know. That must be the drama coming in to just kind of save the day for me as, as a. Just that, just, that conflict. Mm -hmm. yeah. The conflict, right. Just that, like, almost horrifying moment when, you know, uh, Bowman has gotten gotten Frank's body, uh, and he's, like, you know, opened the pod bay doors, and he's, and, like, Hal's like, yeah, I know you were trying to kill me. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then Hal's just like, although you took ex uh, careful precautions to make sure I didn't hear you, I could see your lips move. And, you, and Frank has, and Bowman has that moment where it's like, he doesn't, like, completely freak out, but it's just like, Damn it! He's just like God. Yeah, you know, what I get myself into? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? I mean, the, the red dot was like sitting right there, right mm -hmm. in front of their their window, and they're like they move in and talk to each other, and it's like, how does? But that's you know, the point of so it too. Yeah, I mean, think about like the the scary monsters or the mm. the villains in classically speaking in cinema. They're these ugly, uh, sometimes large, menacing figures. Mm -hmm. This is a red dot. Right. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't blink or anything. Right. It just sits right. I think I, I think 
the scariest you can ever get with like horror movie monsters or villains is the more human ones. That's uh, it. Yeah. Just uh, like uh, to me, the some one of the scariest movie uh, antagonists ever is just uh, Anthony Perkins' Psycho. Sure, sure. In real yeah. life, I went to a wax museum, like all these people, uh, you know, that they wax museumed, and um, the most the scariest one for me was a Jeffrey Dahmer. With like just a little bit of blood on his on, coming down mm. out of his mouth, you know what I mean? That was it. Yeah, I was like that scared me the most out of like anything like I saw that was like fake, you know, like uh, Middle Evil torture or whatever. Stuff small like role. The Jeffrey Dahmer's dad was my substitute teacher once. So, oh no! Yeah. Wow. He, but he didn't have any blood coming from his. That's life good. Before. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to see that. But um, Raj, um, did you did you have any more thoughts on uh, your interpretation of? what Stanley Kubrick was trying to achieve here? Uh, there's still probably so much to talk about. <laughs> like, uh, just, just you know, I almost feel like the end of the movie is, um, you know, uh, past, you know for sure, you know, well, I mean, you don't know for sure, but it's just like where you began mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, where we're, where the middle of the film is, it's like where we're, where we're at now, even though it's like technically in the future and things like that. Right. But the ending... I really feel like it's almost a we don't know where we're going to go. We have no idea how what the future entails for us, but, you know, it could be hopeful, it could be bad, but we just have to make do with what we what we're going to get, you know. It's just like maybe maybe we will be giant fetuses in the in space. Uh and that that was actually something uh uh when I was in high school, our nickname for the uh floating fetus was Cletus the space fetus. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just what we came up with. And I, I, I wish I hung out with people in high school that had nicknames for the star child. <laughs> we had other nicknames, but no, I, but to your point too, I think that it's only natural that the um, final shot or the image mm -hmm. that we see on the screen of the future mm -hmm. of humanity or some type of, as I said, Ubermensch, the natural evolution from that should look completely odd foreign mm -hmm. unfamiliar because as of right now that's that's the idea if, if it it would almost be too and the other thing too is interesting on that is we don't see any aliens mm. it's, it's a sci-fi movie maybe the only sci-fi movie without aliens but we see their technology right see their in technology. the monolith but you don't see goofy green guys you don't see no cone heads or what have you there's there's none of that it's it's there's the human beings, there's the AI, and then, of course, as we just said, there's whatever Star Child is. And, Leto, to what you were saying about it, technology, we don't even know if that's technology. It could just be its own separate entity in entirety. Like, uh, we, we don't know what the black monoliths are. Right. I get it's, it's like Stonehenge to mm -hmm. me. To me, it seemed like Stonehenge, like, kind yeah. of like what is it like i don't right. know it's sitting here it's nice it's, it's carved somebody put it there it's it's in a ring for a reason or it's sitting there it's in the moon it's on like the cavemen are looking at it. it's on jupiter like why who did it like what is it like i don't know it, it makes you think it makes you question yeah it's, it's but again question your reality really right I, and that I, I can't say enough great things or give enough praise to a movie or any piece of art that makes you do that that it, but there's, it's making you question it, but there's enough interest to know what it is, too. It's not just so bizarre, so abstract that you're just... Mm. You lose. A lot of us, you know, and people have continued for years to debate the meaning of the monolith. Uh, because, of course, there, there's something significant there. I mean, you're, you're not seeing the monolith sitting in a booth at Denny's. I mean, you see the monolith in these pivotal times in, yeah. in civilization. And, and, you know, so it's... 
Um, are they Mothman? Hmm? Are you hmm? Moth, the Mothman? I don't know. I don't know the Mothman. Um, the Mothman? The symbol of something, you know something's going to happen? Do you know the Mothman? <laughs> the Mothman Man from 25 Muffin Lane? <laughs> He's doing a Shrek, a Shrek thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's not even that. It's, it's a, the, the Muffin Man is, the Muffin a, Man. is yeah. a kid's song. What is the right. Mothman? Is that just like Chupacabra? Yeah, it's similar. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Okay. Uh, whenever there's a disaster. He's a um, cousin of... Yeah. Like a disaster is about to happen. Okay. People uh, report that there's a Mothman um, that they see, a person, like kind of like an apparition, like, like an angel, saying, hey, something bad's going to happen. They, um, one happened oh, okay. in southern Ohio. Yeah. Um, so like the Grim Reaper? Well, it's, it's kind of like also, a symbol. It also is kind of like a, a creature, like a, a humanoid right. moth-looking thing that has psychic powers or things like that, and it's just like... Sure. Uh, oh, it's, it's also like... Isn't it also mm. known to like... West Virginia or something? Yeah, in Southern Ohio. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there was a bridge that fell. Yeah, like forty people died in that range, um, which is real. Um, and um, people reported that they saw this Mothman show up before that. I think they were even. If you look up Mothman, they might even talk about one before nine eleven. Um, and uh, you know, anytime there's some kind of tragic event. Oh, the Mothman was at the Twin Towers. Uh, I think I think I remember kind of hearing something. I could be wrong though. Um, don't quote me on it. But um, there's the, a movie. Richard yeah. Gere made a movie about it. So there's Mothman a whole, prophecy or something. I think so. Something like that. Mothman yeah. hangs out at First Energy Stadium. Oh my goodness! Thank you. Yeah. Fellow Browns fan, yeah, absolutely. Every Sunday, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got a uh, Baker Mayfield jersey on. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was looking into like what you know. I, 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 you know, my interpretation of the film is uh, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, this is his version of our evolution. Like I said, there's other religions that say otherwise. Um, I'm not even talking about just Adam and Eve. There's other you know, religions that I don't even know about that have a, a way of how we evolved or how we came to be. But I think this is Stanley Kubrick saying, hey, you know, like, this is what I think happened. You know, um, we evolved from apes, you know, and then this is where we're going to the star child. So I think this is like his, you know, his map is his course, how, how humans are going to evolve. Um, but to that point, you know, I, and this is something that you mentioned too, Roger, the technology we see on the spaceship, you know, the the version of Skype, mm -hmm. Zoom, um, the technology that they're using, iPads. So far, he's batting a thousand in a lot of oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so, I, you know, I, I'm he might be on to something when it comes to the next step. Oh, and the us. fact that there was that delay, you know, in between, like, uh, you know, it's like when BBC was interviewing them, he's like, all right, uh, we had to cut out. Uh, the seven right, minutes of footage right. and things like that. It's just like, I can imagine that happening if it's happening in space. Right. And, it's, and they're all the way nearing Jupiter and things like that. Every detail. Mm -hmm. it, it, nothing was overlooked. You know, it's, it's, it's not like, because even just some truly iconic films, you can go back and see some flaws or some editing errors. Mm -hmm. I don't think that exists with 2001. I, I, I think I might notice some weird looking, like when they land on the moon, okay. I believe. I think there's like, maybe a lit, maybe it doesn't look the most convincing, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's maybe some outdated technology or things there like that. might be, uh, but, but, but I haven't found it. Just... Oh, yeah. So I think the discovery part, I think is, is kind of um, important because 
And in the movie, um, they're concerned about how people on Earth are going to um, take the news. And um, I think um, this film is helping, uh, like us, like n like our world, kind of like deal with the idea that we're not alone. And if that is real to some people who have strong faith mm -hmm. in higher beings, um, that could shatter like their whole grasp on their reality. So I think this is kind of like a help, you know what I mean? Just like get people start thinking like, hey. Um, there might be something that exists beyond us. Yeah. In the, uh, a different planet. And, and yeah, and if that's the case, what you believe now might not be true. And that's kind of scary. Just to let you know. <laughs> what do you think? What do you guys think would have happened if Hal went there by himself? Who? Hal. Hal? Yeah, if he went by, if he got to Jupiter by himself, do you think the monoliths would have just done nothing? It's just like, well, we were expecting humans here. Could Hal. See, that, that that's seems a, to have, yeah. seems to have brought a point, perhaps, that mm -hmm. the limits of technology and that the need for humans on some level. Mm -hmm. um, there's just certain things that humans are capable of that we present that any form of other artificial intelligence we had we had this whole room ready and everything he was gonna like eat eat these meals and there was gonna be like this shocking it's like oh he's he, he sees his future so, but it, it, but it's just this AI you killed everyone Hal what the heck <laughs> you made a huge mistake so uh, yeah and I thought you know this movie talked about artificial intelligence and how you know, unchecked, it could um, become its own thing and its own uh, being and you know, see us as a threat, Terminator, and try to take us out. So, and then plus the Star Child, um, the next evolution. And now one thing I want to talk about, you guys know about the Age of Aquarius? Ushering in the Age of Aquarius? Yeah. Uh, I think, I'm a little, little vague on that. Maybe you could explain it to the audience. Yeah, the Age of Aquarius is when... Um, us as a human uh, species um, is going to take the next, like, a mental leap, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read verbatim off of this website, medium.com. The age of Aquarius is a phrase used by astrologers to describe the current time period. This phrase is derived from the belief that between the years of now and 2015, Earth will experience a new age where human consciousness will evolve into higher understanding of truth and reality. Um... Oh, so we'll get so it's like Looper. Well, we'll somehow get like te telekinesis or things like that. Right. Yeah, we're gonna like evolve to the next stage of mentally, mm -hmm. you know, of accepting higher thoughts and higher ideas and higher higher uh, beliefs. We'll have than... microchips in us. Okay. No, I just, <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that part of it? Or no, no, maybe, that's not a part of it. Maybe um, we just, like a... literally need an upgrade or something. We need to install chips in us. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Kevin. Uh, was it iPhone 13 with like Kevin 35 or yeah, yeah. Kevin, I, I, Kevin 9000 yeah so yeah I mean if you want to check out more stuff about the age of Aquarius you'll you'll understand and I think it ties into the star child and as far as um you know how how that all kind of uh, goes into uh into into effect here so if you don't know it we're in the age of Aquarius now so just shedding some of our older thoughts and accepting newer thoughts kind of so yeah, um, and that will take us to some of the behind-the-scenes. Do you have any cool behind-the-scenes stories about uh, this movie, uh, Kevin? Oh, I can only imagine what it was like being on the set. Um, 
kind of like a tyrant uh, in charge, right? Oh yeah. Well, so that's interesting. I, if you ask Shelley Duvall, I'm sure she oh, would. Uh, yeah. Although you know, she has what it sounds like, and I think a lot of the actors have a very ambivalent relationship with Stanley Kubrick. I mean, he first of all, I, I, I would have certainly just been in awe of him the whole mm-hmm. time. I would have just been like a sponge and just soaked up. People speculated his IQ was like maybe 200. I mean, I and again. We're discussing 2001, which that in itself is ambitious to discuss it, especially because, again, it is, as I've said a thousand times already, it's a visual medium. So it's it really is. It's not the easiest film to discuss, but we can go on and on about mm-hmm. symbolism in the right, film right, right. and all the things that are layered in there. So you're working with a guy who's – his brain, in terms of cinema, is right there with anyone else's, I'd say – but he might even be on the same level as Leonardo da Vinci. That's I awesome. mean, and, yeah, he, and he made a film for us, like two hour. Like we're watching a two two and a half hour like and, painting and, of da Vinci. In two thousand one, the thing is, I, I'm not even sure it's his best film. I mean, it is a masterpiece, my masterpiece. But you can come in here tell me that Barry Lyndon is his best movie. You can tell me The, the Shining. You, I mean, you can make an argument yeah. for pretty much any of his films. Just because the, the War, uh, Path of Glory Path of to Glory, me, yeah. oh yeah, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there are definitely other Stanley Kubrick movies I'd rather watch. Yeah. But uh, it's not to say that there's no quality here. It's it's, it's not like you're not going to get anything out of it. I, if you if you get nothing out of it, it says more about you than and mm-hmm. I mean, of course. Oh no, but no. Uh, but about the viewer than than the artist. But yeah, I, I think that um, you know there are more stories. Um, even like I mentioned, The Shining for a bit. What's interesting is that we actually do have behind the scenes footage videos of The Shining because oh, yeah. his daughter filmed them. Oh nice. Uh, Vivian Kubrick filmed it. And so you see Stanley Kubrick on a typewriter. You see Jack Nicholson horsing around with other cast members. And um, and you can see Kubrick work, too. You can also see him yell at Shelley Duvall. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And apparently, like, you know, he treated Shelley Duvall like garbage throughout the, throughout the entire And frame. it's not to defend that necessarily, yeah. but there's a method to the madness. Oh, so. yeah. No, no. You, uh, if, uh, so, you know, Shelley Duvall's character is supposed to be hysterical. Exactly. She's supposed to be losing her mind. Isolated, like yep. Yeah, yep. isolated. Uh, and, you know... Kubrick thought the best way to achieve that was to essentially drive Shelley Duvall crazy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you even get it even hurts a little bit because there'll be times where Kubrick, you know, will be working with Jack Nicholson, and he'll go like, "Yeah, you were doing great, Jack. Uh, Shelley, you could do do it better." Right. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh. No, it's wow. just very deliberate, and yeah. I think that you had to kind of know what you're signing up for. Um, yeah. Mm. But keep in mind, Stanley Kubrick was also a master chess player. He played chess at a really young age. And another example of Kubrick, the chess player, on set as a director is when he's directing the Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. And he has George C. Scott's character be just completely over-the-top ridiculous. George C. Scott refused to do that for a while because he's like, no, 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 that, that, this is just too obnoxious. This is too, too over-the-top for me. But Kubrick told him, no, no, no I'm not going to use it. I just want to see you do it. Well, of course, Kubrick uses it. Oh, wow. He uses that footage. Oh, yeah. But... I'm sure George C. Scott watches like everybody else. He understands why. And, you know, that, that character is hysterical. But it, and that's, you know, that's a strange love. It, it has to be mm-hmm. very kind of, uh, yeah, there you it, go. It, it yeah. George, George C. Scott was just so angry what he said. Sure. <laughs> if I can imagine. Yeah. Well, um, like you said, you know, you were signing up for it. And then that's the but, actors. Uh, you want to work at Stanley Kubrick, you never know. But, but it did get him. But it did, but after that, it did kind of allow George C. Scott to get the role as uh, as the director. Uh, yeah, Patton. Okay. It was like, you know, it's all like, right. oh, yeah, he's so good. career, sure. Uh, but uh, but uh, I, I just love in that uh, in the article I read about that, you know, uh, the guy who who 
dropped the bomb. You know, he wrote it like a horse. He was yeah. like, Slim, yeah. Slim Pickens? Yeah, Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. Uh, he was like, wait, you're telling me the movie where I drop, where I drop out of an atomic bomb like a horse? Riding it like a horse, that wasn't supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> That's a good point. So, uh, uh, any uh, stories, Raj? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's not really pertaining to this one because all the interesting ones are in other films. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Shirley Duvall stuff. I remember I saw an interview with Malcolm McDowell, Malcolm McDowell about the making of uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, Clockwork Orange. Sorry, uh, and uh, uh, you know. Kubrick was kind of almost kept to himself almost and things like that and Malcolm McDowell one day went up to his room or something and he's uh, well went up to Stanley Kubrick's room and he was like Kubrick had some headphones on and he was listening to something and you know he, Malcolm McDowell thought it's like oh it's just something you know, he's probably working and he just kind of waited there and then eventually he got up to a point where he went to go talk to Kubrick and he's like uh, what were you listening to? It was like, I was listening to a baseball game. I teamed one day. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other thing he was listening to um, was like air traffic control. He yeah. somehow was able to listen to what? make sure the planes were landing. Because Kubrick... Oh, for filming? He Well, no. Kubrick, he had a pilot's license, but he was oh. definitely afraid of flying. Oh, well. So figure that out. I but, guess that's quite the juxtaposition. But um, yeah, so with Malcolm McDowell and Kubrick, that was interesting because they became very close on set. But then after the film ended, I don't think Kubrick really talked to him much after that. And then I think that hurt Malcolm McDowell. Wow. Um, but Malcolm McDowell, by the way, I mean, again, iconic performance, Clockwork Orange. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, you know what you see. I mean, I, mm -hmm. that, that character, the look. Yeah, the eye. Oh, of course. Yeah, the eyelash. And yeah, and, oh, and then the, yeah, the torture scene. where yeah, beating up his friends. Yeah, the torture yeah, scene. Yeah, with the Drew. Oh, then there's, like, yeah, walking down the street. Why did you beat up? Oh, because they kind of did something out of character, right? They beat, He beats up his friends for like something before. Yeah, that's right. I'm. I'm we're trying to trying to be too. Yeah, right. yeah we, the character is right. a complete so yeah. sociopath. Yeah. yeah, guys, are you familiar with the Kubrick stare? Of course, yeah. Uh, Lito, are you familiar with? No. It? So it's it's this shot that's kind of used throughout his films, where it's like there's a character that's just like super serious, almost like he's lost his mind, almost. Oh. Uh, you get it from uh, Pyle and yep, Pyle. Okay. Uh, you this get, is you get it from, yep. Yeah, yeah. You Jack, get it, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. You get it from yeah, yeah. Uh, Malcolm McDowell. In the opening shot of the film with Clockwork. It's a close up of him yeah. staring right in the camera. Yeah, it's it's mm. always like it's almost like they're looking up almost. That was uh, I'm, I'm almost stare. convinced. Like we don't get to see it, but I'm almost convinced Tao's doing the Kubrick stare. Just oh, I, I agree. No, no, no. That's that's absolutely nice. correct. Yeah, I'm I'm almost convinced Very if he cool. had a face, he would be do he would be yeah. straight up to be doing the. Kubrick stare. You, you can, I mean, you, I've seen them. You can see montages of the Kubrick stare, mm -hmm. and you can easily just include Hal in there. Mm -hmm. The way that it's framed. And, he's thinking. He's he's yeah. planning something. Absolutely. Um, my only um, behind the scenes. I mean, I, I uh, just doing a little bit of research. I heard that he, you know, he got NASA involved or scientists involved or people who actually um, build space stations and and actually wanted to duplicate the the look and everything and kind of make the most realistic space movie possible and how everything works and then um you know i really like that shot where um the people are in the pods and um it's kind of like in a on a wheel almost yeah and then yeah. she's like pulling like how did he do that that's awesome right um but i mean that just helps me like immerse myself in the film when yeah. when i am oh awake. yeah so. Yeah, yeah, I imagine there's this whole like Before set. Before he goes on the couch. I imagine they, they created this whole set w which will revolve right, and they have right. to stick the camera at a certain point. That's, that was uh, amazing, awesome work. Uh, but I also imagine that it's uh, 
uh, Inception, I think, took inspiration for oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with with the scene in the hallway where uh, mm -hmm. Joseph Gordon Joseph Gordon Levitt's running, and the hallway is just moving Turn, around and things yeah. like that. But so they, in order to do that, they had to create this whole set that would, you know, flip around rotate, and things like that, yeah. rotate. And uh, yeah, so okay. this it, it, 2001, it's still inspiring films. All right. And talking about that and filmmaking, and we're all filmmakers at this table, how can we make this film better? Kevin? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this one alone. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to change a single frame. Uh, that one thing? I, no. All right. Well, unfortunately. I, 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 you, you can't mess with perfection. It'd be like, I like trying it. to you know, paint the Mona Lisa. I respect that. I respect that 100%. Absolutely. Raj? Speed up some of the footage. It just... That that's my only thing. Maybe maybe right. certain scene shots go on for a little too long. That's yep. my only thing. But okay. uh, I've got the most notes on this one. I okay. Just... Oh jeez. <laughs> so I'm saying, um, yeah, um, the I say make it make it shorter. Make everything shorter. The um, the early early dawn and and make let's let's and they call it an odyssey. Kind of throws me a little bit because it does talk like kind of make me think about Homer. And I don't know, like I, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, I hear you guys a journey, but like from island to island and mystic stuff. I get it. Well, I well, don't know. I, to it, me, I think it should be, it should be an anthology almost. If, if I could, this, this film should be an anthology. Yeah, go ahead. If Raj. I could say something, you know, there, there is that you know journey from yeah from uh, Earth to Jupiter and things like that. Mm -hmm. But you know, the whole thing about Homer, uh, the Odyssey is. Uh, 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 what's the uh, Odysseus Odysseus keeps going to random places right. and he can't really control it I don't think it's any particular uh, I don't think it's any particular character in this film I think we're we are the characters going the on the Odyssey yeah. we're experiencing oh. all these different things okay that's cool that's great yeah the, the great closest at would be Dave mm -hmm. Bowman his character yeah but, but yeah to your point exactly it's it's, it's a broader yeah. idea it's almost Excellent. like it's not it's not that helps me a little bit then mm-hmm it's 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 just like okay now we're going here okay now we're, we here. Discuss, now we're here now we're here now we're here I'm learning, uh, but yeah I think maybe somehow I was always I mean I I think of it like a movie like start to finish like the three act structure I um mm -hmm. I was totally like unprepared to look at this as a four part thing you know uh, so I was thinking maybe it would work more as an anthology type of thing and be upfront about it but um, and then. Cut the uh, the early dawn scene down a little bit. Cut the um, the Jupiter like no, psychedelic no, scene a little no. bit. I, 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 <laughs> it, it, it just goes on too where, long. Where I think maybe certain scenes go on a little too right. long. I, I, it, it is a personal thing, yeah. but it's like it's it's like there's just certain bits I go like. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna just take check my so phone. Lido wants to make this a short film. Is that a correct? shorter film? Yeah, short. No, just a short. Two thousand one. Twenty minute movie. Well, they notoriously well, did I, cut the. Uh, sorry, sorry. I am a like a one two minute uh, there you filmmaker. Go. There you go. <laughs> just yeah, bone space and then well, yeah, baby. It, it is baby. it is notorious <laughs> about this film. It's like there was a hundred sixty eight minute cut or something and, that they showed. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh. That they showed originally. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, people saw it. And it was like, "This is what is this?" And so they, they immediately pull it out of theaters, and they had to cut it down. Just, so, just like yeah, Rock Hudson was uh, famously quoted as saying, "What the hell?" Or sorry, "What the heck is this crap?" Or something, something to that effect. And yeah, and, and someone said, I'm "Cleaning it up," but yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And someone said, like, after they saw the, uh, the movie, it's like, what a trip or something. And yeah, it's like, like, almost that's, like so, that's the tagline. Yeah. That's our tagline. Oh, is that the tagline? What a trip? No, no, the no. The ultimate trip. The yeah, ultimate but trip. it's, it's like you. where they got it. It's like, yeah, and, and they're having fun. They're nodding towards sure. psychedelics. Because, right. again, this is 1968. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So around that time. At that point, sure. I'm and, sure the LSD's around. Yeah. And not that Kubrick was tripping or anything like that. No, no, no. But I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. But yeah, I would cut down some of the art house stuff. The I don't think he needed a trip. I think his brain was already seeing things that no one else was seeing. Um, and just make it kind of like a more, um, I don't know, the music and stuff. Like I said, um, it was more, more song and dance, maybe. Not le- no, no, just le- less, less music and more more dialogue. But I don't know. That's just me. I'm a simpleton. I am not. <laughs> A two thousand two hundred IQ guy. I am average we, Joe to the max. We can't fault you for your ten IQ. Thank you. <laughs> ten. Um, I'm just speaking for. Suppose you got a bed. The yeah. lower, the lower minded being. Oh, <laughs> so the ape. You're the ape. I am definitely still the ape. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, we're, uh, you're not how, this movie is the monolith. Right. You, you don't know what to make of it. Ah, and it's rated yeah. PG. I would like. To, I mean, it's rated G. I would like to see maybe a PG thirteen. Okay. Or an R rating and maybe some more action. Um, <laughs> some sex in there too, maybe? <laughs> on the spaceship. Hey, why not? You know, it's like a, a nipple Have a scene slip. where they have sex with Hal. <laughs> <laughs> a good old, put it on HBO, put a nipple slip, and I'm and I'm a happy guy. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Call me I, weird. I, I'll watch that movie. I'll watch, I'll watch it in just 2001. Um, and then, you know, it, it in reality, and then uh, science fiction, oh, oh my God, does it always have to have some sort of horror element to it? Because... Yeah, that's uh, true. I, I don't need to be cheerful sci-fi movies. There's always some element of dystopia involved. Mm-hmm. We, uh, uh, we we talked about this last week. Uh, every single movie that has like some sort of spaceship journey, it's going to end in some kind of disaster or something bad. Yeah, there's something always, really bad's going to happen. Yeah, they, ominous on the way. Yeah. yeah, they have a plan, but it's somehow one little event, and it, they're mm-hmm. off course, and it's yeah. just like Apollo 13. Well, it'd be kind of boring if there was no. Oh yeah, peril involved, right? Well, that, at Astra, that, that's why I that's why I referenced The Martian. Almost, mm-hmm. it's just like you're just watching astronauts just hang out in space. Mm-hmm. I, you know. I guess I guess it's not the Discovery yeah. Channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it, it's it's Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, those are basically my, my 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 notes. Take them or leave them, um, and definitely leave them. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know so that um, so any any final thoughts on on this one before we get to recommendations, Kevin? No, I, I just you know I, I'm envious of people who have not seen it because it's again it's like uh, listening to maybe Dark Side of the Moon right. for the first time or uh, seeing the Grand Canyon. It's 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 that monumental of an experience. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like anyone who gets to watch it for the first time, you're, you're in for a treat. you got to buckle up. Stay awake. I'm like, Leo, mm-hmm. stay awake. Yeah, watch it during the uh, – Caffeinate yourself. Caffeinate. Do what you just got to do. Uh, but no, it's – Absolutely. Um, I, I'm, it's still my bucket list to see it on a big screen, and I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't at this point. So If they ever do it here, can can we go together and, you know, you knock me if I'm dozing off? Yeah, for sure. Hey, no, I, no, for sure. I'm hey, not kidding. There, there are screenings out there that show the room on a big theater, so – uh, if they, if they do that, there's well, I, have the, I can see it at the Cinematheque. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I feel like I could be mistaken here, but I think that there was at the Capitol. The film was accompanied by an orchestra Ooh. at Blossom at one point. Oh, for real? I, maybe I've, this is just a fantasy I have. I go to those wishful thinking, but I'm, they did Star Wars, right? I yeah. know they did that, so I, I'm fairly certain that that, uh, that existed at least at some point for 2001 too. So I could totally see that happening. I could see it happening in like Los Angeles. 
Yeah. That did happen in LA. Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking at a local level it also occurred, but if not, then I'll have to find some people who can. We'll make have it to happen. go. We'll have to go on our own Odyssey. Yeah. To go find there you go. Yeah. The Odyssey for the Odyssey. But I'm going to put you down. If I ever see it on the big screen, I'm calling you up and we're going. I I'll drop what I'm doing. Cool. And then. Uh, Oh, I have a kid being born. To hell with the kid. <laughs> I'm going to go see two thousand. Unless a baby in a... Uh, Final thoughts there, Raj? Uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorite film directors. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't say... I, I, I you, you know, he did a lot for his film uh, to the point where it probably didn't ruin reputation, his reputation, but it's, it's, it's like, you know, you hear about the Shelley Duvall stuff and things like that, and he's just... Apparently, there was another story about this one guy who had to, who had to uh, pick up a phone or something and like answer it, and Stanley Kubrick made him do that 146 times. I think you might be referring to Tom Cruise having to walk through a door a certain way. I don't know. Maybe I, I, both. But for eyes wide shut. For eyes wide shut, Tom okay. Cruise he made Tom Cruise walk through a door about a hundred, at least a hundred times. I remember he, uh, whoever it was said like. I did it fine. It's a shot. Just stop doing it. We're we're we, we need to move on. And he like ranted and he said he was going to quit. And it's like as soon as he calmed down, Stanley Kubrick was like, "Okay, let's do it again." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's the director. He's allowed. Yeah. At hey, that it's point, his, yeah. It's his he, show. He earned, especially later in his career, he earned the right to absolutely have two. I mean, as painful as that would be on set to witness that or to be. Would you Would you guys watch a uh, Stanley Kubrick biopic? Oh yeah. Well, it depends who's involved. Mm-hmm, it depends yeah. who's, who's directing, of course, and um, who's uh, who's playing him. Certainly, potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend Stanley Kubrick: A Life in Pictures, a documentary on him. Oh, there's a okay, yeah, cool. absolutely. Tom Cruise narrates it. Oh, very so nice. obviously, he didn't piss off Tom Cruise too much. He was willing to narrate it. Yeah. And this, I, I'm 99% certain this was made posthumously too after he passed away in '99. So mm. definitely check out Stanley Kubrick: A Life in Pictures. Okay. Um, I have Kubrick biographies. I believe there was some type of Kubrick. Oh no, there was a film called Color Me Kubrick about a guy. I believe it stars John Malkovich about a man who pretended to be Stanley Kubrick. Interesting. Um, poses him for years. There's also documentaries about um, people who worked for Stanley Kubrick. One was like a driver for him. There's a documentary about his driver. There's a documentary about his personal assistant. Yeah. There's um, a documentary about The Shining. Oh, of course. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, actually, yeah, actually, yeah. There's Room there, there's the, there's the one where it's like showing behind the scenes. Yep. And then there's the the Room Two Three Seven about all the crackpot, crazy conspiracy theories that people have sure, about sure. The Shining. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. My final thoughts are: um, I have not absorbed this movie yet. I'm in no hurry. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I you, you you put the pressure on me to watch it for this podcast, but um, I I think I'm and like like fine wine. I'm gonna take uh, you know it's you know I'm gonna take it in little small chunks, and I'm gonna absorb what I can, and I'm gonna keep going back to it. I own the film, so I got no worries about it not being in my streaming libraries or whatever. I own it on DVD. <laughs> I'll go. always have that hard physical copy, um, and and I'm sure as I grow older, I it'll be oh it'll it'll be waiting for me, and 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 I'll be ready to you know take it on and, and and look at it and watch it and and uh, and learn you'll be like dave towards the end as an old man dying in bed and you'll you'll watch it and hopefully uh that'll be your moment you'll just to... be pointing at 2001 a space high yeah. going like i get you <laughs> exactly so i'm in no hurry um so yeah let's talk about some some movies that if you like this film 
and who who, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. I do. I said I do. I just it, it yeah. You said all just, the, but you also said all those bad things about the film, so that automatic that automatically makes it that you don't like this film. <laughs> you, you, you you have the well, well. Let me ask you this, Kev. Um, are you upset of anything that I said about the film, or do you? Are you, are you oh no, are you, no, no. I, I think that uh, no. It's 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 since you brought this one up. Like yeah, no. It's fascinating to hear other people's perspectives on right. it because I think. It's, I guess you could say it's a polarizing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it, it inspires a lot of acrimony or, or high emotions, but I think you either really love it, value it, and find it to be a transcendental experience, transcendent experience, excuse me, in some ways. Um, or you just, you don't really get it. and Or, it or just, you're just made a little road. Possibly, but I feel yeah. like I feel like it's it's you're kind of in one or two camps. I don't know too many people who are kind of neutral on it. I, I feel like it's either again it, it resonates with you and, and you revere it, or just don't get it. Weird, um, not enough of this, not enough of that. Move on. So I, I think um, I learned a lot. Yeah, and now I'm going to watch it with knowing some deeper meanings and deeper mm-hmm. understandings. So that's going to help me watch that film again and and you know appreciate it way more than 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 what i what happened last night well so. I, I think again this movie more than any other i feel like requires multiple viewings I mean, sure I, you know it, and to me it's it's rewarding and it's there's always something i'm, I'm going to enjoy about it each time around um so yeah i wouldn't beat yourself up over not uh feeling like you have a complete grasp of it after a couple of viewings cool so uh recommendations then uh well uh not many know about this there is a sequel to 2001 mm. 2010 uh uh the voyage home or something uh, I, who directed that 2010 yeah 2010 the voyage home there was a leslie nielsen parody called space oddity or something oh really yeah. uh, i didn't know about that <laughs> hold on but yeah like wasn't stanley like not into like i guess um, I guess sequels. He, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Space Travesty. Mm. Leslie Nielsen's was 2001: A Space Travesty uh, masterpiece. Um, like I said, uh, but 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 uh, you know the ne- next film. It's more like it is more like a, a 2010. You said I'm not. Yeah, 2010. Space the, Odyssey. Okay, it's a it's a 1984 film. It is a sequel. Yeah, okay. it, 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 it it's it, it has Hal's and Bowman's actors come back. They reprise their roles. Uh, it is more of like the Hollywood traditional sequel. Yeah, it's, it's Peter like, Hames is the director. Okay, and, and it, but and it doesn't quite live up to it, uh, from what I've heard. Wow, well, how could it? Yeah. Uh, but it's like people still still seem to have like positive things to say about it. Well, uh, supposedly Arthur Clarke. Um, yeah, he, he made a sequel. Well, he called Stanley Kubrick because yeah, exactly. So he wrote the novel 2010 Odyssey two. And then he called Kubrick and said, your job is to stop anybody from making this into a movie. So he, that way he wouldn't be bothered. Because um, Kubrick had no interest in directing it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I I have to be honest. I have not seen 2010. It almost seems blasphemous to me. Maybe this just goes to your earlier point about religious mm-hmm. element. Uh, yeah, I, f- I think the film does explain some of the stuff more. And it's like, eh. Sometimes when you're spoon-fed and you don't have free, free will to think. Apparently, it kind of there's a, apparently throughout the film... There's still this huge conflict going on between the United States and the Soviet Russia, right. the Soviet mm-hmm. Union. There's a Cold War element to it. Yeah, yeah. and it's like that's 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 fu- that's funny. That's that's the Soviet Union is still around in 2010. Right. Uh, uh, but if I were to also recommend a film, 
you know, I, I, I threw out 2010 just to let you know it's there, and maybe if you're yeah. interested, check it out. But uh, an, another film that just kind of comes to mind, you know, we talked about all those space mission things like that, but something more in lines of like a movie that kind of feels like this. I saw The Green Knight some time ago, and you know, it's almost like a make make up your own interpretation of the film. So the new version or the old version? Uh, the new version. Oh, okay. the new version. Uh, Green Knight starring Dev Patel. Uh, so it's open ended. Uh, it's it's up in the air. Oh. Like it ends, it ends oddly, and you're like, what? Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's up to you to wonder. It's like, was that real? What I saw, what we just saw, was that real? Was that fake? Right. Or, or things like that. Uh, but it, 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 if anything, it's just to look at the scenery that okay. the, that the movie provides. And Kevin, did did we get your recommendations? I think I might have skipped over you. So yeah, outside of any other Stanley Kubrick movies, the one big recommendation I would have would be Solaris, the 1972 Andrei Tarkovsky film. Okay. Um, this is also, of course, a science fiction masterpiece. It's based on a novel uh, from Lem's novel of the same name, and there have been kind of comparisons over the years between the two films okay um similarities the differences but yeah i I strongly recommend that one it's it's about loss uh it's about also you know the the mystery of the unknown Mm. um and of course you know just another science fiction film uh in the great era of cinema so and Andrei Tarkovsky is also just an ingenious filmmaker. So, yeah, I would recommend Solaris. I'm not sure where exactly you can find that in terms of streaming right now. Uh, I'm sure you can find it online. You can purchase it online or go to your local library. But, uh, yeah, that would be my primary recommendation in terms of another great science fiction film. Cool. Um, any other ones? Um, ones that I feel like are on the same level as 2001, it's hard to for me. I mean... I certainly wouldn't discourage anyone from going to see all the Star Wars movies. I think that there's naturally some um, uh, similarities, but also I think that there's a, a bit of um, a real joy you get from Star Wars that you also get from watching 2001. Um, so you can't go wrong there, of course. Would you consider 2001 the thinking man's Star Wars? No, because I think that, that, that diminishes the intellectual mm. quality of Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is, is filled, I think, at least, with with plenty of uh, fascinating and, and compelling themes and um, great characters, obviously, that uh, are going to remain forever iconic. So, no, I I think that would be disparaging to, uh, to Star Wars to say that oh, yeah. you know, this is a thinking man's version. But I think Star Wars is more accessible, certainly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not as ambiguous and... Um, you know, I, I I think that Star Wars can be enjoyed on a number of different levels and at a variety of ages. I don't think you can have a five-year-old watch 2001 A Space Odyssey no. <laughs> unless they're a prodigy of some sort and, and get a real fulfillment on their end. I think that a young child can watch Star Wars and enjoy it in some levels. Sure, true. Good, good, good points. All right. Um, the films I got on mind are other than Star Wars. Um, Ad Astra, I already talked about that. Alien. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, The uh, Terminator, of course, because and then the rest of them are AI kind of movies. Sure. Um, Her. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. that works. Yeah. Yeah. Look at AI and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Ex Machina. Oh, well, there's also mm-hmm. AI. The film that Kubrick was actually working on before AI. he passed away. Then right. Spielberg took oh, over yeah. and directed. 
and yeah, my last one's like Bicentennial Man. That yeah, Robin Williams, of course. Yeah, you know his journey to become uh, from a robot to yeah. a human. Maybe even those are all. They owe some debt of gratitude to mm-hmm. one. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe even the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think where, where humanity might be headed. Not the new Matrix movie, but the, the original. Yeah, I haven't made it through the whole new one. Yet. Uh, I'm not even gonna bother the, the other <laughs> the sequels. Hey, don't you want to be reminded about the Matrix while watching a new Matrix film? <laughs> Yeah. Don't you don't you want to be reminded about how awesome the first one was? Why aren't you laughing? Huh? Right, yeah. Come on, laugh. <laughs> Anyways, what do you uh, what do you watch? What are you watching now? What are you reading now? Anything you want to? Sure. So uh, I'm going to take this time to urge everyone to go see the King's Daughter, which theaters. I am totally going to check that yes. out. Yes, uh, being released today in over 2,000 theaters, 2,100 theaters nationwide. Um, but as far as other movies. Um, I recently watched actually a great film from the seventies, um, the uh, the Robert Redford CIA film, nineteen seventy five, Third Day of Cantor. Have you guys seen this? Wow, no. Uh, what's it called again? Uh, it is. I want to make sure that. I'm not I love this. discovering movies in the past and like mm-hmm. um, being completely just blown away by their filmmaking ability back then and. I'm wondering if we can ever, you know, make movies as good as as how they they made those in the past. Because the stories are great, actings are always great. I mean, it's it's always, um, it's always three a days. Pleasure. Yeah, three days of the Condor. Three days of the Condor. Sorry, I'm the part of that. Uh, no, no problem. <laughs> three days of the Condor, Sidney Pollock's 1975 film, Robert Redford. Um, but uh, espionage thriller, really high stakes. Great acting from Redford. Um, this is again. This is Rob Redford in his prime at his most iconic. Fresh off the Sting, uh, followed closely then by All the President's Men a year later, and then a Natural, The Natural down the road. Mm. But um, watch that again. Really enjoyed that. Watching some great television. Succession. Uh, I, I think that's the best television show right now. Um, just started Wormwood, which is Aaron Morris's. Wait series on netflix no from 20 excuse me 2017 2018 so just started that it's been something i've been watching for a long time mm. and yeah there are there are films actually i want to see that are in theaters right now um i have not seen the nightmare alley which is guillermo del toro's latest bradley cooper mm-hmm. i've heard terrific things about that i want to see licorice pizza which is paul thomas anderson's latest okay, film. okay of course um so i need to get to the theaters i just I haven't had the time but uh yeah oh. so there are Numbers, number of films that I would really love to see, and I think there are more coming to Mark Scorsese's um, "The Flowers of the Killing Moon." That's his latest. That they just wrapped production, I believe. Leonardo about? DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, uh, about a murder. Uh, Not the white city devil and the white city murderer guy. No, it's about a murder on a Native American reservation, oh. Oklahoma. I want to say early twentieth century. Sounds good. Um, yeah, no, I, whatever yeah. he does, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, so. Excited about that. Uh, that should be coming out next year. And then they just announced actually Bong Joon Ho's. Hopefully, his next project is going to be a sci-fi movie. So maybe we can discuss that at some point. Three of us again. Sci-fi Absolutely. movie with Robert Pattinson. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you had me at uh, Robert. Robert. Okay. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Could have uh, a number of ways, but yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so I uh, right now I'm playing the game Halo Infinite, and I've been enjoying my time with that. Uh, it's like the first open world uh, Halo game. 
uh, can get a little tedious at times traversing the map, but it's still fun. Uh, uh, as for what I've been watching, I started watching the James Gunn-created show Peacemaker. Okay. Uh, it's a sequel to The Suicide Squad that came out last year, and I've, I've been enjoying my time with that. But I think the show I really want to recommend is I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, it's I, it's I, so funny. I, I I was dying laughing oh, watching my that gosh. show. I, yeah. Uh, the Say no more. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just don't say. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it, to yeah, anyone. You if you want to watch, watch if you want to watch sketch comedy shows oh, that are re like really short. So I think good. You should leave. Yeah. I think you should. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. So. yeah. We're not telling you to leave. Like. Watch the show. I think you should leave. It, it, just the, the <laughs> whole and the podcast. Though. Yeah. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. It's yeah, it's say no more. Yeah. I was I was watching it on a on a trip to uh, on a trip last week, and I had downloaded some episodes, and I was just like, you know, there's some bits that are funny, but there was this one skit near the very last episode uh, sure. that. That sure. just had me dying laughing. I, I, I was I, like, they had my my family had to look at me. And was like, what's what's so funny? Shades so, Shades of Mister Show, uh, if you know what that is. Yeah, the Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk and yeah, Cross, yeah. yeah, Shades of that. So, anything else, Raj? Uh, that's that's what I. Oh, and Ozarks. Oh, uh, Ozark cool. is going to be airing tonight, and I will be continu continuing that show. Yeah, sounds good. Let's see. I watched uh, Encanto with for uh, with my daughter. Fell asleep through all that. Um, 137 shots um, documentary on Netflix about um, the police okay. and um, all the shootings uh, that happen and how it affects the community and all that. I highly recommend that. Learn a little bit about Cleveland and the police. Um, documentary now, um, and it's older, but you know Bill Hader and uh, Phil Armiston. Is that Phil? Fred Armiston. Fred Armiston. Yeah. yeah, Fred Armiston, and they do like uh, mockumentaries of like famous documentaries. Okay, highly recommend that. Uh, it's, you know, because we're in documentary filmmaking, um, so watch these guys, you know, make fun of, um, um, you know, uh, Nanook of the North and everything. Um, and uh, what's that sushi one? That uh, The one about the sushi chef. Okay. Uh, they make fun of that one. It's, it's hilarious. Um, it's, um, what's the, uh, the, the guys from HBO that do, like, the hard-hitting documentaries uh, like about drugs and stuff. It's like, it starts with um, Spice or not Spice. I forgot the name, but anyways. Documentary now, parody documentaries. Uh, oh, the Salesman. Oh, oh that was, or, uh, the sales, or just Salesman from salesman. Uh, the Maisel's Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, Brothers. Um, yeah, they've, no, I, they're doing a number of great episodes for Documentary Now. Right. They also did, um, I think they did a parody of Great Gardens as well. They, yeah, they got one about the mafia, <laughs> about uh, everyone dresses up as uh, Al Capone in like Scandinavia. It's it's hilarious. Um, uh, oh, there's, yeah, there, there's a few uh, the documentary now episodes. They, I think they did um, Thin Blue Line as well. If I'm not mistaken. So, now are you saying there's another season of that, or they? Uh, no, no. I just okay. been I just been watching some of the older stuff that they that they made, um, and I've been reading a uh, listening to a book actually, um, the Mel Brooks um, All About Me. So he's just going through his all his life um, in all the movies and how he got in the show business and how how he um, 
you know what he did on every movie and, and a little behind the scenes on, on everything and how he how it came from an idea to executing the idea to after the idea so like all the movies so i get to learn a little bit about one of my favorite movies is Spaceballs. yeah so and then but but now i'm watching all the other movies like the producers and the um high anxiety and young uh frankenstein. young frankenstein thank you very much and blazing saddles which i also love um get smart get smart i had no idea oh and I, you know get this get this guys like he was instrumental he he produced the elephant man yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i did not know that yeah. you guys knew that well i i, I can't I, I anthony hopkins called up uh, mel brooks after one day of lynch just i guess being too difficult to work with and he didn't ask supposedly for lynch to be fired but he just kind of aired his grievances and mel brooks had to play peacemaker at one point on the set wow and um yeah he got all he found david lynch and um also he was in, he made the fly did you guys know he, that he was instrumental in making the fly he produced it he produced okay. the brooks films okay. uh when jeff goldblum and he sure. found gina davison that was all mel brooks and i was like that blew that blew my mind and he was married to mrs robinson i didn't know that yeah and bancroft yeah, yeah. and bancroft like this I is she passed away all right yeah yeah uh, rest in peace but um i'm just learning so much about it um um Mel Brooks and, and I love his son's writings. Uh, Max Brooks was one of my favorite authors. You know, um, World War Z is one World of my War favorite Z. books. Absolutely, hands down, one of my favorite books. And um, so anything he does is, is great. Just like him too. I'm just looking at a picture right now. Oh yeah, you oh, see, yeah. he's he's actually kind of funny as well. Like like uh, whatever. He, uh, there was this one time when COVID hit, and he was like. He was doing a video explaining COVID, and he's like, hey, you know, here I am, and here's my dad behind the window. Now, you know, I want to say hi to my dad and everything, but if I were to uh, if I were to get close to him, I could potentially infect him and kill him. Yeah. And then he, and, but before he dies, he might even go talk to old other legendary act, uh, 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 famous people back in his time. So I will have successfully killed an entire generation. <laughs> Uh, famous comedic actors, dude. Yeah, I didn't know that, but Max Brooks was uh, wrote for SNL too. So oh. one of my favorite shows. I also watch Saturday Night Live religiously uh, every week. It's on. I can't miss it. Oh, really? I, I try I, to stay I up. Can't do anymore. I, I love it. It's just, just a shark. It's one me. of my favorites. Still, I, I, yeah, I, still. I, I, same here. I love it. I love the new people. I, I, I'm, I'm with Kevin here. I, I stopped, but there was a. I don't. There was one skit I watched recently. Yeah. Like a lot of them are terrible to me. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, you just low hanging fruit. But, but there was there was one skit where it's like Republican or not, and it, <laughs> I actually kind of laughed at that one. Oh, that was actually yeah, that that went viral. I did see that one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it was a game. Keen Thompson was hosting, and yeah, it was very difficult to decipher if the question <laughs> or was was geared towards someone who would be voting Democrat or Republican. Or yeah, it, left right, the culture war, and all that good stuff. So. I think uh, we're going to be wrapping things up. Okay. All right. Uh, we want to thank our guest today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank Kevin Scheid. That's me, yeah. And uh, we 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 hope you come back. You know, yeah, like yeah. This, hope this is not like the one and done from you. No. But please, you know, remember us if you ever uh, yeah. become like distributor for, you know, these big gigantic uh, movies that, that and they take you away and they're like, we want Kevin as our guy. But like, <laughs> always come back. Don't think you worry about that. <laughs> we want Kevin. <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on here. and uh, I, and if if it's all right i can um to put your email in the description of the episode yeah, so if, if people have you know something they want to run by you you know hey yeah. is this a good idea for a movie yeah. I, I don't know like if um whatever they want or more info on gravitas adventures sure. yeah. um they can contact you and and you take it yeah. from there and yeah. that'd be great um all right any other parting words 
no this was great um yeah it, it just it was no reason to watch the film again and to enjoy it on a, a deeper level so i that's the thing too it the movie means so much more to me now or means a lot uh it has a bit of a different meaning to me of course at 32 mm-hmm. than when i first saw it when i was about 17 18 so it's always like a litmus test you know it's, it's a refl- sure. you can see things differently um or have a deeper appreciation for it depending on your own life experience or uh, an altered perspective of some sort and through your looking glass mirror sure filter sure. It through it all right raj are we uh, you ready to close this one out i'm sorry leto i'm afraid i can't do that roger i have to do what i gotta do <laughs> all right everybody have a good one out there thank you for listening and i uh, will see you next week with something um uh a little bit more upbeat uh yeah a little little, bit more upbeat a little brighter uh maybe maybe orange it's maybe i think i could i'll I'll say this it's one of the few good films milo jovich has ever been in yeah i think you just gave it away Uh, you gave it away last week yeah we'll figure it out (laughs) i mean they're they're probably good a couple of them yeah oh yeah yeah maybe it's resident evil all right we'll be talking to you later have a good one all right Take care. Bye. Bye. Keep up the good work and prevent accidents. This shift is concluded.